Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good week for the Marlins, a fun one. I was very excited about this one, especially with the way that game ended. And we got some good listenership, again, for the second straight week. So thank you guys for the support on that, on the new account here. Second State of the Fish on Fish on First. I'm your host, Grant Keeper. I've got Eli along with me on the main account. We've got Kevin speaking. Got some of our other guys listening. We'll bring in lots of other people as the show goes on. And, of course, the fan questions where uh, we'll get to the second half of the show. But we'll start off with what we always start off with, just a week in review, two series this week, of course. Um, home against the Kansas City Royals, struggling Royals, but that was another sh- sweep where the Marlins capitalized on playing an inferior opponent and then taking two out of three against the White Sox this week. Uh, whatever is 32 divided by six is is whatever um the marlins average per runs this week i didn't have time to do the math but a really high scoring week a really fun week um 12 out of the last 15 as you see the tweet at the top of the space here from me the marlins have won and they face the struggling Mariners nationals teams coming up this week but we'll get to that later we'll review this week eli about you know, the Marlins just needing to capitalize on playing inferior opponents. And these last spaces we did, we talked about, hey, they beat a really, really bad A's team, but two more weak AL Central teams and maybe the weakest division we've ever seen coming up on the docket. And they went 5-1 and one in those games. So a good testament to what they, they've been able to do against inferior opponents. Yes, and again, thank you for everybody for joining us. This could be a little longer than our usual spaces because there's a whole lot to get to about what where the Marlins are now and where they're going from here because it's super exciting. Like I think this is a realistic best-case scenario of how this week could have gone. You're not going to win every single game, but they won almost every single game against these teams with these White Sox being in a different category than the Royals. These, this White Sox team, they got off to that really terrible start through much of April and they made all those bad headlines because of it. But I mean, pretty much since then, since May, they'd been hovering around 500, if not even a little bit better than that. They had an extended stretch of solid play. Even some of that outside of their own terrible division, as you point out, like this was to me, um, I'm 
naive repeatedly as underestimating the Marlins and thinking like this is a series that was very losable for the Marlins, even with the way that the starting pitching lined up and the Marlins got great starting pitching. Uh, to me, that was kind of the difference in them actually eking out the series is that Sandy kept them close enough in his start and Braxton kept them obviously as close as possible during his start. So even though those games were won after both of those pitchers left the game, um, this is one of the better weeks that their entire rotation has had all season long. And so that was the difference between merely, you know, winning most of these games and winning almost every single one of them and just missing out on, on sweeping due to the middle game or what, what was it? The, uh, the first game of the series where they just lose by a single run. So to me, that, that was kind of the story. Um, that was the new development here is the starting pitching being so good this past week. But we, a lot of the familiar faces on offense showed up. Luis Arise is still showing up two hits almost every single game. And Solaire, now that his thumb is feeling a little bit better, he's back to mashing the ball the way that he was before. And Dela Cruz, the same way. Like these are guys that it's not even news anymore that they're producing because they've been doing that for an extended period of time. To me, what really stood out is the way that the rotation stepped up during this particular series against the White Sox, where the bullpen itself uh, crapped the bed a couple of times uh, for the rotation to do their part here. That um that's really encouraging. We know they have to be better moving forward. Um to to like for this team to accomplish their goals, they need better starting pitching than they've had so far. There was a lot of optimism that the starting pitching is going to get better as the season goes on, and so this was really great evidence of what we expected and what this team really needs. The last time a Marlins starting pitcher took the loss was June first, and they've only lost one game since then. So to your point, uh, the starting pitching has really stepped up. And um, before we get to, uh, before we just touch on more of just what's happened this week, we'll touch on the Trevor Rogers topic on the, on the rotation piece here. Uh, the decisions will have to be made pretty soon. Um, lots of hints that Yadier Perez could go down despite being arguably Miami's best pitcher over the last month or so. Uh, I don't even know if it's an argument. I mean, the dude's lit it up in his first MLB month, but, you have to understand that the, the team wants to be careful. Um, I mean, it's the unfortunate reality of it, but I think maybe Kevin said it in our private group chat today that um, that adding Yeri back in August would be like like a trade deadline pickup almost is what that would feel like. But with Trevor maybe know. coming back, uh, it was no. I, I, I like that analogy a little bit, and it, it does suck that they can't keep him up. I personally was a fan of the six-man rotation idea, but – with Trevor's little setback, it allows for maybe one more Gary Perez start. Um, the Marlins have it to be decided on two of the three games in that series and who's going to start. We know Lazardo will face Bryce Miller tomorrow. Um, well, other than that, the, the Marlins haven't announced who's pitching Tuesday or Wednesday, but obviously this is going to be a really big deal if the Marlins have to send down Yuri or if Trevor just continues to get set back. I'm definitely wishing for his health, but I think he's only made four starts this year. He's been in the IL since April, I guess. So um, he wasn't exactly off to the hottest start, coming off a pretty bad season last year after a phenomenal rookie season where he almost won NL Rookie of the Year. But um, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on the whole situation since uh, you're familiar with the people of Jacksonville? I made my opinion clear on the live stream with Eli and Carver on, on Friday. I believe you keep Yuri up and you go six man 
it still limits Yuri. It still limits the innings. He's still going to go five innings. He's still going to have his pitch limit restriction. But, man, and I think Carver said it best on the last show about that. You want this guy learning from the best of the best. And Mel Sonnemeyer Jr. is the best of the best when it comes to learning in this organization. And what Yuri has done is not only live up to the expectation, but he's exceeding expectations with this team. You, you go to his MLB percentile rankings, and they're a little bit new, obviously, because now is when he's just got them all. But they're all right. There's only two in blue, and that's the the, um, the walk percentage and then the, the curve spin. But besides that, Yuri Perez has been lights out. There's no other way to say it. This guy's been absolutely dominant, and that's without him using the changeup, which is one of his better pitches. And he's been great. There's just no other way to put it. And, you know, when you look at Trevor Rogers, he has not been good since 2020. That's like the second half of 2021. He's had his good stretches. He's had his good starts. But aside from that, Trev hasn't been that good. And I think you, you trust Yuri over Trevor right now. At least I do, and I think most people would right now. I think it's a pretty bad decision to send Yuri down. I understand he has an innings limit. I understand he has these restrictions, but at some point you have to remove him. And I understand that that's probably where you do with that AAA. But if this team is trying to win, and Yuri's been your best pitcher, as you mentioned, Grant, you have to keep Yuri up in the big leagues. And I would not mind a six-man rotation. It limits pitchers, and it's going to – probably benefit Yuri more than anyone and maybe even Sandy in, in a certain way. But I, I think you should go six men. If you really want Trevor, you go six men. And just want to quickly mention Johnny Cueto just went through another rehab start. So that's another piece to see what happens there. So you have two starting pitchers coming back. And to mention he did pitch well in the rehab start, correct? He, he pitched all right. Yeah, mm. He was good. Mm. He didn't allow he only he didn't strike out anyone. Yeah, he, he didn't he, he, he didn't strike out anybody in um <laughs> he, he, in double A. This is double A, not even triple A. In double yeah. A. So yeah, I will say that Cueto is still a distant consideration. He's gonna have to make probably two more rehab starts before you even look at it. And they'll have to be better rehab starts than than this one. Um so that one's still far. The question is with Trevor, uh, we have the Mish I should put up that Mish tweet clarifying that it seems that they dodged any severe setback with the non-throwing arm. Um, so hopefully he he makes his final rehab start this upcoming week. And then you think about bringing him back, would that would probably be the next homestand. So it seems that they're going to go through this road trip with the guys that they currently have. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Yuri is making his start in Seattle on Wednesday. They just don't have an alternative. The question is what they do with um, yeah after that start. Beyond that, so what, why what would they do? They, um, why wouldn't they start Sandy Wednesday? That, that's an actual question. I have no clue why you, you don't. If he started Friday, or no, he started. He started he was, yesterday. Yeah. So. Did, did he? So who, oh no, Yuri did start Friday. No, I had him mixed up. No, that makes sense. Now that makes sense. For some reason, I thought Sandy started Friday and uh, took a loss. For some no, reason, I thought, lost. I thought yeah, it was like I'm that really too, mixed yeah. up. Yeah, you're good. Right. Yeah, so in theory, and then again, we mentioned this. They do have a TBD on Tuesday and Wednesday's pitchers. We know Lazardo's going tomorrow against Bryce Miller. He got pushed back today. He was supposed to start today. Uh, but um, Bryce Miller's gotten blown up his last two starts after a flaming hot start. But he's one of my favorite rookies to watch right now. So that will be a fun, fun game. Tuesday, I guess, should be Edward in theory. They haven't. I mean, there's no announcement. We don't know yet. Noah Noah is telling us that Skip did confirm that postgame, that they're just going to stick with the normal rotation for now. Um, Yeah, again, the decision is coming now due to Trevor setback. This decision waits until the homestand. It waits until the following week. 
for this current week, we still have the current group going. And then, yeah, they make the decision between whether to bring Trevor up, assuming he makes it through his final rehab start without a setback. And then, well, what to do about it? And, um, yeah, there were, there's just no weak link in this rotation right now. At the same time, um, the limitation and the reason why it's hard to do a six-man rotation is also because several of these guys don't go deep into games. So if you're going to have the vast majority of your starts pitched by, if you go to six-man and you have Edward, Yuri, um, Braxton, and Trevor all in there at the same time, and all of them kind of have questions about how deep they can go into a game, it, it just weighs down your bullpen even more. That's kind of the risk here where if you have six starters, you're going to lose a reliever at that mix. So if you're at, and if you have all these relievers and most of the time they're expected to eat three, four, and sometimes even more than four innings in the day, um, you just don't know what to, although you really trust those relievers and they're all veterans at this point, you just risk having one of them get overworked. So that's why there's really no easy solution, but it's also not a huge problem. Um, this is a good problem to have just because I think all those starters bring something to the table and with Braxton, what came up today and has come up now numerous times this year is how they treat him and remove him even before there are any signs of trouble the third time through the lineup. Even when he's cruising, they they are monitoring, they're limiting his pitch count just as much as they are with Yuri's. They just do not trust him to perform when he gets deeper into those games, even when he's efficient with his pitches and even when he's been consistent in those middle innings. And even when it would be a huge benefit to the bullpen on so, those days to like give them a couple extra innings off and just let Braxton sink or swim. I, I don't understand that. And frankly, there's just no way to make it work unless the Marlins change their philosophy on that because they need somebody aside from Sandy to consistently go deep into games. Luzardo could be that guy, but then even beyond that um, it's been a little frustrating that they don't, push Braxton a little bit more at this point where I think he's just been really impressive outside of that one very infamous outing. He's been extremely impressive. I'd like to see him tested in those difficult situations late in games. I think the good thing is, and I, you know, if it wasn't for the blister, Eddie's been going deeper into games. I think he may have re I, and I was there and I now don't remember. I think he may have reached a seventh inning. Against Oakland, it was either the sixth or the seventh, but it's nice to have Edward kind of getting deep into games and, you know, the walks aren't becoming as much of an issue anymore. And when he isn't walking, guys, Edward is on a roll. So you kind of rely on Sandy to give you at least seven or eight. I'm not going to go nine yet. And then you have Luzardo who gives you six, seven, same with Edward. I mean, Yuri would give you five. Trev, who knows? That's a wild card at this point. I mean, on a good day, he gives you six. And then we'll see what happens with Brax. I do want Brax to go deeper into ball games, and I think Skip may have realized that today that maybe it was a bad decision to take out Brax. Hopefully, it was. And as an extra, which I think it'll be Washington, that should be a good test to see how deep they could put Brax into this game. But six man, I think, is the move. I know it's going to kick, probably kick someone out of the bullpen. Uh, so we'll have to see who they. Well, the way Brazabon has been pitching, I've That's seen Brazabon, some people yeah. for him that get yeah. called down. But I saw another conversation happening on Twitter today that um, that you know this bullpen it's pretty good, but one more really good right-handed pitcher would be nice. I saw some saying discussing maybe bring up uh, Maldonado and uh, maybe call down Brazabon. Kevin, I know you're you're probably the biggest minor league guy on here that's not named Alex Carver. So, what are your thoughts potentially on that being an option? 
I mean, yeah, but this bullpen's been good. So I'm like to the point where like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So mm-hmm. as it much is, as so I like, I, I do like. Back I will say well. this right now. I like yeah. Maldonado. I like a lot of the guys down in AAA. And you know, laugh at me or not, Archie Bradley's been pretty good for them too down there in AAA and some other guys. But yeah, uh, it's hard to really call anyone up right now and and push for that. With there's no real reliever struggling. Like that, because Brasbon, yeah, he hasn't been the greatest, but it's not to the point where you're going for his head, you know. He was arguably their best reliever the first month or so. Exactly, season. maybe best one not named AJ Puck, which it's probably by the way, so nice to have Puck back. I mean, that, what a great acquisition that was for Kimming to trade JJ Bleday for AJ Puck, who is pretty much his team's de facto closer when uh, when he's not getting overworked, I should say, when Floro has to come in here and there, but. Bullpen, I think, has maybe been the most pleasant surprise of this season, but I feel like a lot of us knew that eventually the, the answers were going to come for the bullpen, and uh, there was just too much talent down in the minors to uh, to really allow for this to not be um, a strength for the Marlins. I'd say maybe besides the bullpen being the biggest surprise, you've got some guys in the lineup that are hitting that you really didn't expect, and we'll, we'll touch on them next. Uh, you know, De La Cruz... We, we clown our friend Noah all offseason for saying that Brian Dale Cruz is better than Brian Reynolds. But their numbers have been extremely similar this year. I don't know if I would still say he's better than him just because Reynolds' consistency, but they have been very similar players. And mm-hmm. what, what's kind of annoying is Aja Sanchez and Brian Dale Cruz have both been awesome in the corner outfield spots in the absence of Abisayo Garcia. And uh, not, seems like they both can't get hot at the same time. It's either one of them's on and, and the other's not. And Aza Sanchez is swinging at everything. Or Brian De La Cruz can't locate anything. And, uh, and Aza Sanchez is hitting double after home run. So on and so forth. But there's been a lot of players for Miami, supporting cast, I should say, within the lineup, that hasn't really stepped up in the past. It's kind of just been one or two guys that's really been hitting. But it feels like Miami's lineup is as deep as it's ever been at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It's um, there's, uh, as I touched on that top four in whatever order, if it's arise and Soler and Dela Cruz, and usually now Sanchez, that's, it's pretty terrific. There's not much else to say. Really what's missing is um, I guess the one thing is that the guys that run really well on the bases, those guys generally aren't, getting on base in the first place. The guy that's kind of in between that we should shout out is Joey Wendell. Joey Wendell finally turning it on since the late portion yeah. of May. It's been weird because he is striking out more than ever, and that continued this past weekend. But when he's making contacts, he's getting an unusual for him amount of extra base hits. He had his first home run of the season. He had a handful of doubles recently on the previous homestand and at least one in the series. That's huge um, with Wendell because that's a position at shortstop that has very naturally come to mind as one that the Marlins could look to upgrade this year and one where it's still unclear what they're going to do beyond this year. And now he kind of throws a wrench into it by being a league average hitter, a league average hitter who played really good defense in this series in particular. That play he made on Saturday was, in my opinion, like the most amazing defensive play we've seen from the Marlins all year. That was, so I didn't think he had that in him, Joey Wendell. He's been uh, just another piece of that that brings him up to uh, respectability at the bottom of the lineup. 
And Fortes, for the most part, been better lately, although pretty ugly dates for him offensively at the dish overall. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep, it's relatively deep, uh, but still has those holes. You know, still catcher overall is not giving them enough and just not getting on base quite enough in, in center field and at um, third base. Well, yeah, with Segura. Um, so, yeah, a lot of their hope moving forward is that Segura finally clicks and that th- these last couple of days may be finally the turning point that gets him to vaguely resemble the player he's been for so long. There was that false point. I was preparing to write another article on him, like, right now about how they still have a Gene Segura problem and that over the last month since they gave him what was essentially a benching for a couple of days, since coming back from that, he just he's, has been the same disappointing player overall. So now the question is, is this the actual real turning point where people are getting overly excited back then? And maybe this is the one that flips things around for them. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. That's going to be, but that's going to be an important piece of that third base is still the position overall that you'd have to say is the, the place where they're, it's been the biggest hole in their lineup thus far. They paid Segura and they, they like Segura and all the work that he's put in behind the scenes. They believe in him. It's uh, it's about time for him to kind of repay that trust and actually perform. So let me ask you guys this. If he were to get his OPS for on the season somewhere near his career average, not necessarily at it, but maybe just a little bit below it, do you guys think that would solidify a playoff spot for the Marlins? I mean, they're in one right now with how he's been struggling. So, yeah, I guess. Like I said, I'd be intrigued to see what Eli's answer is here. And you guys listening right now, think about that yourselves. When I bring people in here for the fan questions, I want to hear if you guys think if Gene Segura turns it up that the Marlins will make the playoffs. I mean, then again, like Kevin said, they're tied for the third best record in the National League right now, which is really impressive given how everyone does rid off every single team that wasn't the Mets, Phillies, Braves, the NL Central winner, Dodgers or Padres. Half those teams aren't even in it right now. And but um, yeah, I mean, the the Marlins have uh, they've just turned it up a notch this month. Again, it's a favorable schedule, but um, I mean, just like last year, it's been pretty similar in terms of record wise. They they off to a decent start in April, fell apart in May, got it back together in June. But overall, it's been pretty good but um before we get to the fan questions kevin asked me if we were going to talk about it trades i know it's what's on everyone's mind right now especially with that time of year coming we got about a month and a half now still between month and a half two months it's a deadline to move back a couple days but um some more teams are starting to fall into the seller category over the past week last week we really said it was only the the White Sox, the Royals, and the, the A's, but I think I'd firmly put the Rockies in that category. I would probably put the Tigers in that category. They've lost nine in a row. They just look well, terrible. Yeah, it's, it's bad in Detroit. And, uh, you know, the Cardinals are back to 12 games on their 500. I don't know if they're willing to admit they're going to sell, but I can't see exactly how they can claw themselves out of that hole. There's just a lot structurally wrong with the uh, Cardinals. So, any trade names, ideas? We'll discuss them all. I'm sure we'll have plenty of questions about them. But uh, I just wanted to open the floor to any names you guys have potentially considered. 
I think let's look at this on the Marlins side quickly because they have moves to make. They have moves to make, and Eli said quite a little bit further down the road. But I mean, he's not too far down the road where it's like, what are you going to do? But you know, you have Avi coming back. What are you going to do about him? You have. Um, Trev coming back, what are you going to do about him? What are you going to do about Cueto? Those are three guys. And when this team's on a roll, like, you know, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, that's that's what, how I want to see it quickly. I mean, do, are you going to trade starting pitching? I don't think they should because they just proved that very early on in the season that they need starting pitching and they need that depth. And, you know, with Brax, I, I think he's, he's right on the season. When he was in the bullpen, you had Yuri in AAA. You, I mean, double A, I'm sorry. You you know, Cueto immediately gets injured, was never really right. So it's just like, what are you going to do on that end? And those are the moves I want to see Miami make. Are you going to trade starting pitcher? Which, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they did, because I could definitely see them do it to acquire, if it's a catcher or a th- or whatever they need. Maybe, right maybe now. not. Uh, I mean, one of the bigger starting pitchers to get a catcher now. I, I don't think they're going to have to pay too much for a catcher. That's my I mean, personal opinion. Maybe not. I have there's not many on the board, though. Let's be honest. There really is. No, this is so the that's going to the catching positions bid in a long time. But yeah, what do you guys put? Like, because Trevor, like, that, that would be selling low on him right now. Would Brax? Yeah, would Brax be the trade? Maybe. I think Brax's value is peaking right now, but I don't know if he can afford to trade him the way he's been pitching. I think you'd have to go with one of the guys who's, I guess, not really pitching terrible for their standards, but someone who's middle of the road. I was thinking, as much as I love Edward Cabrera, now would it be the worst time in the world to go trade him for a, a, like a really good hitter. For I know, I, I think Isaac, Isaac and Eli have mentioned that one before. I know mean, that was in the offseason. I don't know how they would feel about it now. Yeah, uh, Edward Cabrera almost got traded to Colorado not too long ago, right? Yeah. That was reportedly close for Brendan Rodgers. And Rodgers, as it turns out, unfortunately, he's out for basically the entire year with a shoulder injury. So that wouldn't have helped the Marlins very much. I, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about in terms of trading away major league starting pitchers. They are in such a good spot right now. And they don't actually need to get rid of any of these guys. They have minor league options on Trevor and on Yuri, and on even Braxton, and now on Edward, as we found out. Like, this is a perfect spot. They have been relative. I mean, I guess according to league averages, they've been about average in terms of their injury luck overall. You know, Cueto, the fact that they got nothing from him, and that they only got a, a few starts from Trevor before these, now it's a second setback that has kept him out for a couple months. But there's going to be more injuries. I hate to tell that to you. There are going to be more starting pitcher injuries between now and the end of the season. And they're in a pretty good spot if they hold on to the guys they have right now. If you compare it to the rest of the league, they are in a better situation than most of even some other contenders. So naturally, their guys are going to draw a lot of attention. And I understand uh, you want to be creative and keep your options open and look at potential things that could be done there. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to overcomplicate it right now with this particular team. Um, They should not be subtracting any of their major league experienced pitchers all the pitchers below that um in different situations whether the guys that are rehabbing from injuries or any of the prospects that they have i think those guys should all be up for discussion and there is that's going to be a key piece of them actually upgrading on the position player side is using potentially prospects um i yeah but i am just not going at all for the idea of 
being in a good position with your starting pitching in order to make the playoffs and then actually trading away somebody that's probably going to be important for you to like get to the finish line in the first place. I don't think that's going to um, pan out. I, I think they need to be a little bit more conventional here and just trade the guys that aren't contributing to your major league team for veterans. And that means taking on risk and adding some money to your payroll and adding experience to your team. I think this is going to be the most clear cut trade deadline that they've had in a while where it's pretty evident that they're, they're looking for short-term improvements. And so they should be making short-term improvements without doing anything too cute here. Which prospects are you looking at Eli? Um, I think an obvious one is Pat Monteverde and the way that he has um, taken a nice step forward this year is somebody that's now, um, He's, I don't know how much he's going to have to prove before getting his shot at the big leagues, um, but he should be getting a shot at the big leagues for a rebuilding team or a team that is more desperate for pitching because he's not going to get that shot with the Marlins if they simply hold on to the veterans that they have right there. So that's one piece where if you look at one trade target that I'm going to go into on the site pretty soon, fish on first, is going to be Jan Gomes of the Cubs. The Cubs have kind of fallen off pretty severely since getting off to a decent start. And they actually, they have another young catcher kind of bursting through in Miguel Amaya. That makes me think, even if they do want to like hang around the playoff race, that Jan Gomes is, could be expendable for them. This is the final guaranteed year of his deal. I think he has an option for uh, next year, but he is pretty consistently just a good hitting catcher who is super highly regarded for his intangibles. And even this year, right around a league average hitter overall, which is far better than average for a catcher. And he still has, he has good power um, for that position and decent contact skills for that position. He's just, he's just pretty safe offensive profile. And, and um, I mean, that's one guy that I'm circling that I think they can actually obtain without giving up any young pitcher that they're going to severely miss down the road. I, like- I did have one trade in mind and I'll put this out there. I, I do agree with Eli that it would be kind of playing with house money to, to not, or two, go ahead and trade one of the proven major leagues. There would there's, there's one, it would be a massive risk. risk, but there's there's one trade, and I mentioned Edward already, there's one potential trade I want to explore with a team that has the inverse problem of the Marlins, where the Marlins oh, have an right. overload of pitching, they need to go trade um, arms away for hitting. And oh, there's a team that is. has, oh, you know exactly what it is, because I talk about it all the time. There's a team that has a lot of hitting that needs some pitching. I want to trade Edward Cabrera to Cincinnati badly. I, did I you not to... just listen to what we said, Greg? <laughs> no, I did. I said this is the one trade I want to do. I want to trade Edward Cabrera to Cincinnati. And I would love one of those big-time infield hitters that they've got. I mean, Cincinnati has the exact inverse problem that the Marlins have. I think that's – I don't know if it will happen this deadline because the Reds are in a really good spot in terms of their rebuild. It's – because of last deadline where the Reds were at, they put their rebuild on lightning speed, and they could probably go win the NL Central next year, I think. They, I mean, they might even win it this year, maybe. If they go have a good deadline. But that, then again, you still got a month and a half till it. So we'll see. But uh, that is something I want to explore. However, I do want to say well, – go ahead. What, what, what are your thoughts on the deal, Kevin? No, I, I wouldn't do it. I love you, Grant, but I don't want Jonathan Indy on the Marlins. Well, I, I'm, as much as I do want him on the Marlins, I just don't think it's possible because, as mentioned, they're in the NL Central, which kind of sucks. 
really any they, they got to go trade one of those infielders. I don't know if it will beat India. If they do, that is capitalizing on his value. Probably, it, I don't know if it's 100% peak, but it's surely towards that mountaintop. But they have so many prospects and just guys breaking through this year. We know they won't trade Ellie De La Cruz, but any of those other guys, like Christian Encarnacion Strand, Matt McClain, Spencer Steer, uh, you got Noel B. Marte, which that wouldn't help the Marlins this year, so I hope they wouldn't do that. But uh, I mean, the Reds got options, but that's just one option. I think realistically, we know catcher is something they got to look at. Jan Gomes is a good option. Elias Diaz is a good option. However, Salvador is Perez it? is not a good option. I don't like Elias Diaz that much. I mean, he hits one course, so that's about it. are a little concerning, but... You, you don't need to go get a superstar catcher this deadline. There's maybe two catchers right now I'll that mention, I would say are near superstar status. They I, won't get traded. I think I mentioned this in the last spaces, and I said that if they can't get a major league guy, they should look into minor leaguers that are being blocked, or someone said that. Someone and, did. There, there's one in Houston that we were talking about. There is one in Houston, but I'm going to mention the one in St. Louis, and our buddy in St. Louis may not be too happy about it, but... <laughs> Wilson Contreras is currently, I think, on a five-year deal, and he's going to be there for a very long time. So maybe go after Ivan Herrera of the Cardinals. He's 23 years old. He has one minor league option left. I mean, he's having a great year. He's hitting 304, 434. Romeo really likes this option. He is spamming the thumbs up. I know. I know he does because he's like Panamanian, I believe. And he, (laughs) he has a 978 OPS with six home runs, 34 RBIs. 148 WRC plus. He's just stuck in AAA. Nothing more to prove. Not only would this be probably your catcher for a very long time, but this is a guy who's going to help your major league team right now. And maybe you would have to trade starting pitching, and I don't know how much of it. No, not major league starting pitching. Obviously, we're looking at minor league players. Uh, probably, definitely Monteverde would be the deal. I mean, St. Louis needs starting pitching. Their starting pitching is not the greatest. The rotation's not too good, so may as well go out there, provide them with what they need in the minor leagues, guys who are being blocked right now in the Marlins system, and why not go after Ivan Herrera? You would get your catcher, a very young catcher, only at 23 years old, and that's someone who makes sense. I'm going to write about him. That's that's going to be my first trade target, so stay tuned on that one. The way that the Marlins have traded with the Cardinals in the recent past, yeah, you know, I, I can't say no to any kind of trade with St. Louis. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the Marlins did with the DLC trade two years ago. You don't exactly have to look for guys at the major league level. There's a lot of um, teams that just have guys sitting there in the minors. But one thing I did want to point out was um, that just the, the system, you have stuff you can trade from it. It's not completely dead, but... The, the Marlins farm system is not good enough to where the Marlins can just pick and choose uh, players that they want, really. But they'll they'll need to go get a catcher. Maybe you look for another guy on the left side of the infield. It depends on what happens with Segura, I guess. And Joey Wendell's on the last year of his deal. Like, we did talk preseason about him being a potential trade target. And because he's kind of he needed to back up, you could trade him. Maybe. I don't know if that would exactly help the team if they're wanting to compete right now. But, um, I mean, it just depends. But I know a lot of people have been looking at Tim Anderson at shortstop. I, unless the price is really oh, low. No, no, you don't. You, no. You're not, 
No, you're not trading for Tim Anderson whatsoever. That guy I, I don't want is him. so over. Wow. He is overrated. I'm going to say it right here, right now. He is overrated. You guys saw what he did in that. I think it was the second game of the series on Saturday. That guy is not good. He's not good. He's not He's having been a good a year. Bad, bad, bad. I think something that Tim Anderson has in common, uh, someone that Tim Anderson reminds you of right now on the trade market would be India because India would come with a heavy price tag trade-wise. And that's just not something you'd want to match, especially how scary uh, India's home road splits are. I would, for me, I would stay away from wanting to deal for either India or Tim Anderson because I don't think either of them would hit very well at Lone Depot Park at all. So and not to be, and not to be Alex Carver, but Jacob Amaya is in the minor leagues, kind of having a pretty good year. They have so. to give Amaya a chance at some point this year. I mean, maybe, but, and I know maybe I, I would ask his size. What are you doing, Amaya? Wendell platoon? Yeah, I think I think when Hampson goes down, that's for Jazz when he gets back. But I mean, I Davis is still there. I mean, he's kind of. I think they too good. Davis's well. WRC plus is terrible outside of that course field series. No, I, I think you have two spots when Davis and Hampson are inevitably not in the on the major league roster anymore. So you'd assume Jazz takes that spot, and until Avi gets back, yeah, but they like Birdie for that platoon position on the left side of the infield, whether it's at third or or short, and sometimes in the outfield. I don't know if there's much playing time available for John Birdie. I'm sorry, for Jacob Amaya, while John Birdie's on the roster. Because Amaya's been good. Yeah, but John Birdie's been excellent. Yeah, he has. Yeah, you're right. I just don't see playing time for Amaya, unfortunately. Nobody wants to see him up here more than I do. But I don't see a a way for him to get much playing time up here. The only well, name I want to mention on the Marlins end. I, I realistically see it when rosters expand in September. That's when I see Amaya. It's, prob- it's probably Amaya, yeah. Uh, that's what I see. And injuries also exist. We don't wish injuries upon anyone here, of course. But they happen. Eli acknowledges, especially with the pitching. But injuries happen to hitters as well. We haven't seen Jazz in almost a month. Birdie and Wendell have had injuries. They have injury history. I I think we do see Amaya this year. We I think whether it's other, until September or whenever, we're going to see him. My only other question is, and this is probably more for Eli, Garrett Cooper. He's on a one-year deal. Well, what are you thinking? Like, I think you keep him for now because he's been all right. But, like, uh, it's so weird because, like, he's on that one-year deal. You don't know if he'll come back or not. I don't think he's going to get a Josh Bell deal like Craig said. Wasn't he a candidate? For, yeah, I was going to say for the qualifying offer. Yeah, but, but I mean, at this at this rate, you're you're not going to give him twenty mil, right? You don't trade him because he's much more valuable to your team than he would be on the trade market. So you don't you don't trade Garrett Cooper. Uh, they'll mention his name. You will hear the name Garrett Cooper around August second, but I don't know if they actually deal him. That's really about it. I mean, I don't think there's any there's many trade chips. I, I know people mention Luis Robert. That would be sacrificing the limited trade capital the Marlins have. That would be a terrible idea. I know some of the outfielders are kind of streaky. I know a lot of people want to see Jazz out of center field. And they're just like, oh, just put him at shortstop. It's not quite as simple as that. I don't feel like. I think Jazz is going to be playing center field until – opening day 2024 at least. They're really committed to this. Jazz is really committed to becoming a center fielder. And whether it's the best thing for the team or not, this is an experiment the Marlins are really set out on. I want to ask Isaac if he has a name in the trade market. To a, I don't have a name to acquire yet. I think it's too early. I know the trade deadline is August 1st. 
but a name that I wouldn't be surprised to hear, you know, maybe heading out of Miami. It's maybe unpopular given how little position player prospects they have. I think Victor Mason Jr. would be sort of a sexy trade chip. Yeah. To um, to part ways with. Uh, he's still a little bit of a ways away. I know you want him Triple A, Kev. I think, you know, he, he's doing fine. I, I think that's more of a name that I can maybe see them getting some major league talent in return. Not a lot. I don't think he has a ton of value at all. But Victor Mason Jr., I could see his name being in a trade. Maybe I could see way. any Marlins prospects at this point being in a trade. I think Yidi Cape could be sexy. No, I, I don't see Yidi in a no, trade. No, I don't uh, see Jake Eater yeah. in a trade. I don't see a lot of Ozzy Amaya in a trade. Well, There's a lot that, of prospects. I, I, I don't know could, how many from, pitching arms you look at now with Bax's injury. Look at MLB Pipeline. I don't agree with their list fully, but if you look from one to nine, I think that's untradeable, except Joe Mack, who I don't really like. And I don't really think many teams will be interested in Joe Mack anyways. So I would look from one to nine, and those guys are probably not getting moved. Eli, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like you, you might have... You might contradict that, maybe. Yes, I, I don't agree with that at all. I, 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 some of those guys are not going to move because they're injured and their value is way down and because they're underperforming. Um, I guess it depends what prospect list you look at. If we look at our own prospect list going through here. Um, no, that one's different. That's the, that's the legit one. Yeah, well, I mean, starting with Yiddy Cape, I mean, why is why are we so sure that he's going to still be here beyond this trade deadline? He has significant value even though he's been inconsistent at Beloit this year, um, still just a really projectable frame. And a uh, for the most part, even though it's been up and down, like he has this really uncommon ability to make contact in the zone, even with his really long limbs. Like there's there's upside there, but at the same time, um, they're not even playing him at shortstop anymore. Like he's a complicated player that could become nothing. And I guess the upside is relatively high, but if they're looking to make a big splash for somebody other than a rental, I mean, I think you start there as somebody that could be available. I liked that Isaac mentioned Victor Jr. Absolutely. I mean, this year, he's taken a, a more so than even the offense. His defense in center field looks super legit, so that's going to be very desirable. Um, but at the same time, uh, the strikeout rate that he has is well over 30% in the minors uh, this year. Um, I, there's just a question about exactly how much is – there's questions about whether he's going to hit at the highest level ultimately. He's uh, Even though he has a really great swing, he has – there's a lot to like about him as well, but that's why he's going to have uh, some decent value also if they're going to shot. You don't have to touch these guys if you're just looking at rentals, but if they're trying to do something more than a rental and they don't want to give up pieces of their major league team, then they do that. Um, but you guys touched on it already with some of the guys that are expiring, the pending free agents on the position player side. Like It wouldn't shock me if one of those guys gets moved. I think it would be foolish for them to trade controllable major league starting pitching in the middle of this year. I don't think that gets them closer to their goal. But when you talk about going through Cooper and Wendell um, and who else is in that bucket? Well, I don't think that's it. That's it. Yeah, I guess between those two guys. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be super surprised if one of them gets moved just because that Cooper's at a position that is at first base. That is generally the easiest to replace after the year. And, um, and with Wendell, um, they have a bunch of, candidates internally to play the left side of the infield even if um he, he might be he's more trustworthy than any of them like those are those are positions where uh, the, the upside of those guys of wendell and cooper are kind of limited because cooper's just not going to stay healthy and wendell is not going to hit for power so those are guys where maybe you get creative and 
do something with them. Um, but that, again, that's being outside the box. I think generally they're, they're just going to be looking to deal some of these prospects uh, outside of this, outside of Yuri and outside of the injured guys whose values are down right now. Anyway, I mean, they, they do have some options here and um, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. Any final thoughts before we get to the, the fan part? I'm sure the trade discussion will, will continue there. It's going to so. keep going. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that, that's, just, that's a good thing. That's just a good thing. One or two names just to throw out there. Of course, like, I'm biased towards these guys, but I do no, think Garrett. Going to be Jewish, I, aren't they? I do think Garrett Stubbs would be a good fit. If you guys are looking for a, a good hitting catcher, why not go after him? Of course, you were going to mention him. Why not? No, seriously, tell me why not. Well, but I tell you why not when I look at his stats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the, the stats are there, and I know that there's been an infamous. Marlins Phillies catcher trade before. I don't know if the Marlins would go back to that. And I think the division trades will be more prevalent with the way the schedules change now. The fact that shall you don't I, really have to see these teams Go ahead. Let me just start with the 33% strikeout rate, the 2.8 walk rate, uh, 235, 278, 324, 601 with a 63 WRC plus. That's an offensive catcher, guys. You may as well just try. Stallings out. There. I'd rather have Nick Fortes out there. And I, this is something I also wanted to clear up because I saw a lot of this. Like, hey, why are you guys hating on Nick Fortes? He's been doing great so far. Unless you have a truly elite catcher, in order, if you want the catching position to be a plus for your team, you got to have two. You, you have the, the work two in there. I mean, the Marlins don't have Adelaide Rutschman. They could have had Sean Murphy, but they don't. They don't have Will Smith. They don't have Jonah Hines. <laughs> They, they need two catchers. Fortes isn't going to be able to do this all by himself, no matter how great he's played recently. They need another partner in crime. A deal for a catcher would be to move Jacob Stallings out of that spot. I will that say, with Stubbs, he's only played 13 games, so I'll give it a little leash. <laughs> I'll give it a longer leash. I just saw that. But who was your other name, though? Garrett Stubbs was my name. Oh, You said you had two. I was going to say CJ Stubbs, but he's in double A and he's not playing well. The only thing attractive about Garrett is that he's a left-handed batter. That's yeah. about it. But the, the thing with Garrett, he's literally he's the backup catcher for JT Romuto, so he barely ever plays. He's not. I mean, he had a good 2020. I, I would be worried about reps then, especially if he's trying to play for a playoff contender. Do you start Nick so you start Nick Fortes and have him be the back and have Garrett be the backup catcher? We're worried about reps. Well, to be Andy is here, I don't think Stallings is not Yeah, the that's what I was about to say. They, they haven't seemed inclined at all to move Stallings. Well, One of these days they're gonna they're gonna finally realize that Nick Fortes is the better catcher and let him catch I think Andy. they know that, but they're just really riding out the Stallings thing to please Sandy, I guess. And to be fair, I mean they have they still haven't put Fortes and Sandy into a game together in a regular season game that because they did catch that one spring training game. But I mean, I, I until I don't catching, see that, yeah, until no, I don't that's see a good Fortes point. and Sandy catch to, together on on a regular season game or at least a couple. I mean, I don't think Stallings is going anywhere, and I don't really. And to add on to that, I mean, you're really going to move Fortes over Stallings? That's what it looks like. And that would be really stupid. Not to be yeah, that would be. That guy's I, I think that they're ready to end the song experiment at the end of this year, but 
you got to see what else, what other names are out there in the catching market. And yeah, they're going to look for a catcher to trade deadline. I feel like at least call about it. Maybe they don't 100% acquire yeah. one, but uh, I think the catching trade rumors would really heat up if Fortes does catch Sandy for even one game. If it happens one game, I think that's waving the white flag on Stongs, and he is expendable. I mean, I, I think Stongs could get DFA. He's not; he's got control. He's not getting paid a ton of money. It, it's a lot easier to DFA him than some of the other guys that Marlins fans hate, like Sikora or Avi, because they're getting paid a ton of money. Man, that's Stongs. He's an arbitration. He went through arbitration, right? And he won. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> whatever whatever no he's getting made like three something million dollars this year and at this point at this exact moment there's about two million left on that and by the trade deadline it will be about 1.3 million that they're swallowing if they dfa him it's just it's all a question of who you get to replace him there's nobody in their organization right now that you call up and you feel is going to be like a dramatically better all-around catcher. As much as we love P-Mac, that's about the bat and not so much about the defense. And we've already gone through, um, you know, Austin Allen and Santiago Chavez. There's just, there's and even Will Banfield. They're not going to kick Stallings out for any of those guys um, in the middle of a contending season. It's going to be, if they are able to swing a deal, I mentioned Jan Gomes again, where he's been through playoff races several times before yeah. if it's him or if it's somebody anywhere of that caliber that is is a really reliable all-around catcher um then i think they would move on from stallings if they were able to get somebody like that on at a reasonable deal and stalling shows no improvement over the next month and a half um or not enough improvement then they would they would do that but it's all about who they're going to replace and this is a position that kind of regardless, unless they somehow get a long-term acquirable cat, a long-term controllable catcher at this deadline, that's going to continue to be a pretty big question heading into the offseason because internally those, those internal alternatives in the near term future just are not very appealing. I just got one more thing on the, on the catcher front. I don't understand why you guys are so against Salvador Perez. No, he costs so much money. They literally cannot afford him. He you take is probably under one of those. Solaire is gone. But would you rather have Salvador Perez? That's not the point. No, no, I wouldn't. Not really. Oh, yeah. I, I know the catching position is really bad right now offensively across the league, but if you take on Salvador Perez, there goes any hope of a Jazz extension in the near future, probably an Arise extension. Jazz ain't getting an extension, extension anytime soon, brother. I'll okay. tell you that. We'll just eliminate Jazz. I mean, that's a whole other topic for another day. That's way down the road. But Arise extension gets pushed back. Lazardo extension gets pushed back. You're not keeping Jorge Soler. That is so much money they have to commit to. And plus, that's the Royals guy. Like that, That's kind of the face of the franchise. I'll be a, a pretty bad franchise right now, but I think he's the last player left in the 2015 World Series winning team. And he's just so much money. We talked about it privately the other day. I think I put out the numbers on Twitter the other day. His contract's atrocious. I mean, he, he does things well, but you cannot take on that much money right now, especially when you're the Marlins, but as a relatively cheap organization, it's pretty obvious they're trying to operate on a budget. You can't exactly take in a catcher that's worth that much money when you can go get similar numbers for a guy who's still in team control and give up minimal minor league um, options. Yeah. You're essentially adding another Avi Garcia contract to your payroll. Mm -hmm. And And on top of that, 
Salvador has to choose where chooses where he goes. So, would he really want to go to Miami? Maybe, but I don't really think he's going to want to go anywhere. Yeah, he lives here part time, from what I understand. So, like, I think he would be down. But he's boys with Luis Arias and Rosario. I don't think so, the feeling's mutual. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, feeling is, the, the feeling is mutual, by the way. That's that's a known thing. The Marlins want to sign him. No, no I mean like, that's uh, that Salvi and Luis Arias and all those guys like they they want to play. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, I've seen the Marlins front office doesn't want ah. The only other name I'll mention out there, and this is definitely more of a long term type of guy, Edgar Ed, Edgar Quero from the Los Angeles Angels. He's in Double A now, but I mean with Logan O'Hoppy up there, and I know he's injured now, but. He's not going to be up there anytime soon. He's going to get blocked. He's going to be in that category. Switch hitting catcher who's hitting 265, 397, 373 with 771 OPS, 122 WRC plus, 15% walk. I mean, why not? I mean, it's a, it's a long term answer. It's probably going to be your, maybe you're, he'll be one of your top prospects. I think he'll be, he's better than Barry, so he'll be like your top top five, top three prospect. I, I like what I'm seeing from. And I know Just Baseball mentioned him on the call-up podcast, too, towards the end there, when they answered my question of Eli's, too. So, I like Cuero. I think he's a nice catcher to have, and why not give it a shot? All right. Was that our last one? We'll get to fans here now. Yeah, we're good. Grandal's the only other one, but we already spoke about that. I don't know if we did in this space, but uh, we'll get questions. The last, about every, the last every one, we did. Last one yeah. we did. We'll get questions about every White Sox player, I'm sure. So, uh, Bro, those are Miami cool. guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cuban, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's all over the place, man. He, he drafted by Cincinnati 2011, 2010. Over, been under. Been out for a while. Under, over, under five people going to ask us about either Salvi or Tim Anderson. That's that's where I'll go. With. I'll go under, though. Or Luis Robert, Luis Robert. We're just messing with you guys. I mean, we'll, we'll explain why. If you have any questions of why the Marlins shouldn't get these guys, we'll answer. Or we'll answer any questions Marlins are related or not baseball, whatever. But first, we do it every space. But let me continue to preach this. Consider becoming a super subscriber, super follower. Since we've moved to Fish on First, this is now over on um, the website. It is just $3 a month. And uh, you get all access to everything Fish on First. It feels so weird to not say Fish Stripes, but it's gone. This is Fish on First now. We always bring it up here because if you subscribe, you get all access, or you get first priority to um, to speak in these spaces. We'll bring Romeo in, I'm sure. I I don't see Ryan here, which is weird. Usually Ryan is here. He he pays the $3 a month, so we'll bring him in. You get to make predictions with us, and uh, the winner of prediction time gets, throughout the season, gets a prize. Um, I think we do have a super subscriber leading that right now. I know Kevin's up there towards the top, but um, we have you can play fantasy leagues with us. Romeo won our fantasy football league. Uh, we have a fantasy baseball league separately for super subscribers. There's prizes to win that. You get the game notes before every single game, which I call the Marlins Bible. There's just every statistic you could want in there. It's excellent. Then what else? Am I forgetting anything? feel like I'm forgetting something. If you're very grateful, you could donate more. <laughs> yes, yes, that is the important difference. That's why we switched up the platform. With Twitter, it was locked in at $3 a month. And here, if you are feeling so generous, you're allowed to tip us on top of that uh, monthly payment if you're uh, so generous too. I do want to shout out, we, we cross stream this on YouTube. 
And we got a generous donation from Trav on our YouTube channel. He's, he's kind of a new baseball fan and a new Marlins fan. And I appreciate Trav um, supporting us that way directly through our YouTube channel. Apparently, you could do that as well. For most people, just do it straight on the website on fishonfirst.com. And the tweet is pinned uh, right there. Yeah, we um, try to do everything we can to make it a good value for you guys. And at the same time, if you're just if you're just a generous spirit and you love the Marlins and you recognize that, honestly, there just aren't a whole lot of content creators covering the Marlins like we do. We appreciate the support. What, whatever reason you have for doing that, it makes a big difference. Shout out, Trav. Absolutely. We will thank you, Trav. Uh, anyone who newly subscribes during these, I have recruited new subscribers during these spaces. Uh, we'll bring you in. We'll shout you out. We'll, we'll do whatever. And we have new predictions coming up for the Mariners series. And uh, you get to be in our tweet circle as well. That's another one where we put special stuff in there as well. And this tweet circle is only for the super subscribers. Um, I subscribe to Marlon Maniac. That's really good content. But uh, Romeo, how, how are you doing? And uh, what's your question? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, one thing before I ask my question, I know we're not called fish on first. Uh, Eli, you're... Um, your description on Twitch still says uh, you're live on Fish Stripes. Just so a heads up for you. Um, I forgot that we do switch, uh, do stream on Twitch. I know we do so many platforms. I forgot that we do that. Yeah, just gonna give that one, that one out there. Uh, I won't bring. I won't bring up the same guy we will always bring up because no, what, what do you Lawrence? do this week? I haven't checked Justin Lawrence's stats. What do you do? Uh, I need to get checked. Mm. He had one rough outing. I saw him have a rough one today, though. Today he was fine, and I think did he actually get the win today um, for the Rockies in relief? Yes. Yeah. But he, yeah. Wow. Well, today he struggled with his control as well. He had a couple walks and a wild pitch that allowed the go-ahead runs to score, and his and the Rockies offense bailed him out. That was a wild game. Yeah. Keeping track of that one. Yeah. Um, Got a loss in San Francisco. Pitched two innings, allowed two runs and a walk, two Ks. So that's another team that's been in trade discussions as sellers. I completely forgot about them. I know people are talking about JD Davis and Dairo Estrada. Go ahead with your question. I wouldn't trade anybody big, but I can't find his grades. I've been trying. Do you guys know how to find grades? And I can ask my question in a bit because he had three stolen bases in his first ending his debut with um. With Seattle, Jose Caballero, he, um, I don't know how fast he really is. The Panamanian, because I stay in the Panamanian. That, that's my. That's where I'm at. Um, but yeah, he. My grades? You mean baseball savant? Uh, is that is that where you can go look? Or when like, you say grades, you mean like, like scouting grades, grade scouting. speed? Yeah. Oh, scouting grades. Oh, yeah. I, I got you. That's LLB pipeline. If he's a prospect. I don't know if he, I, I know he's he's on he's up he's up right now. He's had ninety at bats in two forty four with um Okay. The first stats. Hold on, give me a second. Yeah, Kevin will look for him. I think he's got MLB pipeline pinned to his browser at this point. I do actually. He has two forty he's four ninety at bats with two home runs and thirteen ribbies. He plays second, short and third. So he's played four games at third if you really looking at him. So he plays all around, all around the, that left side of the infield. That's another name, but I wouldn't trade anybody big for him because he's not that big of a prospect. He has three minor league options, something else that you can look at. But, uh, yeah, that's who I, that's somebody that I had um, brought up. 
look, I was looking at because I know that he's there. Ivan Herrera is one that if you're going to trade anybody and they need they need starting pitching so bad, I think everybody on their on uh, St. Louis's uh, rotation has over a two or over a three ERA. I think the only one that does have a four uh, four plus ERA, I believe, is um, Miles Michaelis. Definitely. Uh, I don't no. know too much about him because of uh, because of fantasy baseball. That guy's been moved around him. our whole league. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that guy's been on four or five teams. <laughs> but he's been lights out over the last month. He's been the only bright spot they've had. Clarity's been inconsistent. Jordan Montgomery finally had a good start the other day. Yeah, Wainwright's been buzzed. Caballero's pretty good. He's all right. One twenty-eight WRC plus. Yeah, that's somebody that that is. It wouldn't be a big, like I said, it wouldn't be somebody big to, like, try and see some. Like he, gets on, he gets on base a lot. 396 OBP. That's pretty high. Yeah. What level is he at? Double A? Yeah, the major. No, no, no. He's, he's in the major. Oh, he, he's all the way up. Okay. okay. Yeah, he's playing, he's playing Seattle. Well, I don't know if he starts this thing. I don't remember if he does or not. So Probably not. We'll find out. See him the sweeps. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about him on the show tomorrow, maybe, if we have time. Any, the, I think any starts over him, but he's he's up there. He's he's on. He stays up there. So that's he's on the Romeo. He's on the Romeo radar. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about Miguel Maya, but they that team needs that team is rebuilding. So I didn't think that Wilson Contreras would leave, but he did. I thought he was yeah. fine with them. Just let them rebuild and die down die down there. But uh, he did he stayed. So that's someone that uh. You can look at this series yeah. is a just a bunch of uh, I'll talk about the Marlins because we they've been playing good ball lately. Um, Sandy looked good. He did look good his last start. Um, seven innings, where he gave up one run, which was a home run on a get me over fastball to first pitch. Um. If he can stay consistent like that, we will be in a good spot, uh, better than we are already, uh, and that's I firmly believe that. Because um, seven innings is that's just that's good. He deep is good. They uh, consistently didn't score for him though. Well, what was it like? Fit like until this ninth inning, it was over for fourteen, right? With runners in scoring position at that point of the game, I believe it was. I know Grant wasn't watching because he was watching the Man City game. I, I watched the, the what's it called the condensed game this morning. I do that. I've watched every single game this year. Just probably about half of them I have not watched live. I watch them at eight a.m. the next day. <laughs> yeah, it's only like forty-five minutes. It's every pitch, just like back to back to back to back. It's pretty simple. If I miss it, yeah. So all right, anything else, Romeo? Not that I can think of at the moment. But I will probably. The- if, you, if you request back, yeah, that that's good. Uh, anyone who wants to request, go ahead. We had like four or five at one point. We've only got one right now. But uh, I think Romeo, we'll get a we'll get our, our friend Cole in here. Anyone who wants to request can speak. Um, the the priority is uh, I guess just off to the side for now, unless any other super subscribers request. I see you, LMF. We'll get you next, but Cole. How are we doing? And uh, what, what's your question for us tonight? Hey, uh, yeah, I a few questions. Um, I mean, one in the wake of 
Nero getting traded? Who do you think has stepped up as the veteran in the locker room? Uh, stepped up as a veteran. Um, as as leadership. You know what? Leadership. Alex told us this one, but weirdly enough, guys have talked about Segura being like one of the, the big leaders this year. Yeah, Segura's been a nice leader on this team. Uh, a lot of guys like I think Wendell. Many people really give Wendell a lot of credit. A lot of people love Arise. Um, I will say, Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz look up to Yuli Gurriel a lot. Those guys love Yuli Gurriel. Those guys have said that they give a lot of credit to Yuli for how much they've improved this season. So take that as you wish. But he's someone who not only has experience, but definitely, you know, he's been in the big moments. He He's played everywhere. So definitely, in terms of everywhere, I mean, you know, he's played in Cuba and Japan. He's played here. So... He has a lot of experience under his belt. But those are probably the main guys I would mention. Many people would think Sandy's a big leader. He's a he's probably one of those guys where he leads by you have to just follow what he does and you'll be in good shape. Kind of is how I would put it. I think Solaire as well, you have to throw him in there. I know it's kind of a very vague answer that we're giving you, Cole, but to be fair, no one has really taken the Miguel Rojas captain hat. Sort of, yeah. in a way, I, I would say it's Solaire. If I had to pick one guy, I don't think, you know, but that would just be my answer. Gurriel did tell Lewis last week um, that he thinks that he could take this team, not not like himself, but he thinks that this team could go to the playoffs and just like, he, he wants to guide his leadership. I mean, the dude's about to turn 39, and, uh, but he, and he's seen it all in the postseason. He's one of the few guys who's really stepped up in October. But yeah, Yuli and Solaire, both guys who have won in October. I think that's the message that they want to show to some of these younger guys that have never really played meaningful baseball past July. Great. Uh, I had an, another question, which was um, it was about a rise. We know that Marlins Park is generally considered pitcher's park, but do you think that dimensions are actually perfect for a rise? And that's kind of why he's even better than he was last year? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He loves Lone Depot. He, he, since the beginning of his tenure here, he has mentioned that he really likes Lone Depot. He likes closed roof stadiums. He mentioned Tropicana, Lone Depot, those students specific, how he likes to hit in those ballparks. And when you go and look at his home road splits, Rise actually is really damn good at home. And I'll pull him up right now just for more reference and how, how much Lone Depot has helped him. At home, he is hitting... I'll find it. At home, he's hitting 413, 447, 48, 935. So it just shows how damn good a rise is at home. So I would say Lone Depot is perfect for a rise. Very wide, big outfield. He gets to just pop the ball in anywhere he can. He uses all parts of the field. So it's a very nice ballpark for a rise. Yeah. And I, I know it's ironic to mention because of how much he struggled this year. But the first thing that Segura said in his introductory press conference, something that attracted him to play here was the outfield, the big outfield that he really thinks it really helps his style of hitting, you know, just putting balls into the grass and in front of outfielders, a lot of room to get base hits, obviously, you know, hasn't worked out quite yet, but I think that ballpark is going to attract those types of hitters like Arise, like Segura that, you know, can find a lot of base hits uh, in that outfield. Yep. And then I'll throw out a name for Trey Kennedy. I know it's not a sexy name, but for third base, uh, Senzel. 
Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel. I know yeah. a lot about this guy, but uh, I, I don't trust him more than either one of Segura heating up or just putting Birdie there. If you can get him for the right price, sure, but he also takes a roster spot from someone. I mean, he was a top, top prospect. He had the Cincinnati campaign going for him when he got called out. Like, this guy had not quite Ellie De La Cruz roar around him, but, um, like, people love Senzel when he came up, but he just hasn't really lived up to the hype, of course, this year. Um, kind of getting back on track, but he's injured right now. Uh, he's going really to spot in the, the infield once he comes back. So, yeah, the Reds could definitely dump him off, but I'm not sure if that's a guy that really fits the Marlins bill. I think if they're going to go for someone on the left side of the infield, it'll be someone better than that, someone who can solidify and start, because they just have too many guys right now that aren't like set starters. Would you guys agree with that one? Unless Segura, of course, gets it going. But yeah. I, I just don't think Senzel taking a roster spot from someone is something the Marlins would do. Yeah, that's very well put. That They do have, combining both the Major League roster in the IL and in AAA, they do have a lot of these infielders and just not a lot of them that they feel confident in being an everyday guy moving forward. They have Arise, that's going to be an everyday guy moving forward. And Jazz would be an everyday guy if he was an infielder, but he's taken so well to center field that now you don't know it. That whole left side, for the rest of the season, there's still, um, it's just a limited upside with all of them, from Birdie to Wendell to even with Amaya, it's, it's still a big question. With Xavier Edwards, he made a really good impression, but he's not even, he doesn't even have the arm really to help you at shorter third. So like that, those, that's a, they'll have to address that position at some point, and they're, but they're going to do it at this deadline. It would make more sense to make a pretty big, pretty big splash there and get somebody that you feel super good as an everyday option. If you bring in all these other guys that are kind of floating between that are kind of tweeners between being everyday guys and role players, then you kind of risk them just not being any better than your current solutions. So that's the one thing that you always worry about as being a potential buyer of the trade deadline is making an investment in somebody that doesn't actually make your team better. And it happens every year to some teams. Um, and you, you always fear that's going to be your team, that you try to make a change for the sake of change. And that player, you need to make sure that player is worth making that gamble in the first place. So I would agree with, uh, with Grant on when on Senzel, that he is so far removed from being that top prospect um, that, yeah, I, I would not be super enamored with him right now. Any other questions for us, Cole? I mean, I think Senzel can help a team at the deadline, but I don't think he's going to help Miami. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen when uh, with uh, Jonathan uh, Davis when Jazz gets healthy? It'll probably be the Jacksonville. It'll probably yeah. be Hampson. Well, Hampson first, but Davis isn't going to stay up much longer if Avi can get back on track. Those are your two obvious candidates to, to go down at this point. I'm of the opinion that uh, they should keep Avi in Jacksonville for as long as possible, and I don't think they should come. But I don't want him anywhere near the team at this point. Uh, uh, that's what everyone's there. feeling, yeah. But that's just a lot of money. They have to decide on whether they want to eat or not here coming soon. That's an interesting decision they have coming up. But, but I think he deserves a chance back once he comes back from injury. But the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So hopefully something changed with Avi when he was hurt and uh, be intrigued to see what he does coming back. 
how would you feel about parting with Rod, Rod, Trevor Rogers as you know as trade bait? Because I, I feel like I'm a little on the lower side of him now, especially because I don't feel like he's really regained anything since that injury back in uh, I think 21. It would be selling well, low on him. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it would be selling low. I mean, right now it's kind of hard to part from him. He also has nine I, I options, but you, you want to keep him once. down. You could keep him down, but I don't right. know. Right. No, I, I agree with what Kevin said, but I would um, – what was the word I was looking for? I would feel a little more comfortable how exactly I would feel about trading Rodgers once we see a few more starts from him. Because he had – he started, what, four games, started the season, a lot of math in there. I think we need a larger sample size, but the guy just hasn't been good since he fumbled that rookie of the year race to uh, Jonathan India back in 21. Any last questions? Uh, I'm good for now. Thank you, guys. All right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We will uh, we'll bring in good friend of the site, Loud Marlins fan, in here. He is indeed a super subscriber, big supporter of us. How's everyone feeling this evening? Pretty happy. Pretty happy. There's another win. Eight games about 500. It's freaking amazing, isn't it? Um, okay, so a couple things I want to hear your points on. Not more or less questions, but my opinions on a few things. Uh, regarding uh, the trade deadline, I don't see them bringing in a catcher, and I don't see Stallings going anywhere, no matter what the fans think. The team... He's the leader out there for them, and he's Sandy's guy. I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, regarding who they may go after, I think going after an outfielder of some sort. Um, we're still missing that consistent outfield bat. Um, I'm not big on Jesus Sanchez right now, but I am big on him being a movable piece that can get somebody back if paired with one of the pitchers. What's your thoughts on that? You th- wait, you said trade Jesus Sanchez? Hey, trade Jesus Sanchez with one of the pitchers to bring in a more consistent, controllable uh, outfielder. I don't think there's yeah. that bat out there this deadline, unfortunately. Uh, not only is there not that bat, but Jesus Sanchez, you're not, I don't think you trade him. Yeah, I mean, they would have had Brian Reynolds two years ago if they would have been able to part with Jesus Sanchez, as we've heard many, many times since that rumor was mounting. But I uh, I don't think they trade any of these outfield bats. I think, of course, they're not trading Jazz. Right. And, and Sanchez are, are here to stay. If you want to include Soler in that discussion, they're, they probably I, won't trade him. I will say, I have thought about what you mentioned, Chase, the possibility of, of them just not trading for a catcher. I've definitely thought about that. I could definitely see it because they, they, they could just say, look, there's just not that catcher that I really, really want in the market right now and we'll wait a year and see what happens in free agency. I, I, I can't name the catchers off the top of my head right now, but you know, I just if that, I can definitely see that be a possibility. But right now, I mean, if, if you're trying to win games and you need offense, you look for probably any catcher on the market that's going to provide you that some you know, you can get some good defense out of it, too. Right. Another guy who's movable in, I believe, AAA now would be Peyton Burdick. I think they gave him 
a lot of shots to do something up here over the last couple of years. And if they need, if that got the eyes of other MLB teams, I think he could be looked at and followed. Um, for better or worse, usually at the trade deadline, teams are going after bullpen help. With the way our bullpen is structured and the guys that are down in uh, AAA and AA, I, I don't think that's something we're going to need. So, and then I turn my focus to shortstop. And I think they're big on Amaya. That's why he's the future. That's why they traded uh, Mickey Rose for him. So I just don't – I'm trying to look around the league, see where they would go. It's even hard. It must be harder for you guys. I, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like, I don't see a move that makes sense right now this far out of mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Oh, that, that's oh, what's making this ahead. deadline really, really hard. Yeah, sorry, but – that's what's making this deadline really hard is a lot of the clear-cut sellers, they just don't have a lot to trade with. I know the, the White Sox are tantalizing a lot of people because you have a lot of sexy names in there. Luis Robert, Joan Moncada, Tim Anderson, um, you know, Marty Grandal, those pitchers, of course, Giolito and Cease. There's a lot of attractive names on the White Sox. Uh, people were so in love with just a couple of years ago when they won the AL Central. They look like the they were potentially not going to be a dynasty, but they were going to be a force to be reckoned with. A lot of these guys just aren't what they were. The Royals don't really have anyone you can go trade for that makes sense for the Marlins. Chapman and Barlow will get dealt. They're really nice options. Kevin, you think they're going to Arizona or Texas? Which one did you say? I said Texas. Texas. I, I think Arizona or Texas. They're going to end up somewhere down there in the in the desert. But those don't make a lot of sense for the Marlins. The A's, who do they have to trade? I mean... Ramon Laureano, maybe, but that's really Rooker, uh, he's fading after uh, a hot start. You look at yeah. the Rockies, uh, no one's going to trade for Chris Bryant. That, that guy's fall off is crazy, and that contract's ugly. Elias Diaz, maybe that makes sense. The Tigers, who do they have to trade? This I mean, is like, you got I'll no one. This. this is the first deadline where it's like, what are they going to do? We know they're going to buy. But what what are they gonna? Do? We know what, what are they do, gonna exactly? How are they do? gonna do it? Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's how I could put it. And just with what you said about Burdick, yeah, has he hasn't has he got a chance really? I mean, he he played for most of last season. At the end, I don't. I think it was a little unfair that they chose. I think it was Jonathan Davis at the time of Burdick, in my opinion. Obviously, Burdick ends ends up going back to AAA. I think hitting a homer like in back to back games or something like that. He's he's still pretty good. Is he tradable? I think that's more of an Eli question. I really don't think you should trade starting pitching either or pitching in general. You always need pitching. Right. It has to be a very nice offer if, if you're going to trade pitching. And if, if, if you look at this team overall, you got to give credit to that front office that we've beaten up as fans over the last couple of years. They've put together a deep, deep team when healthy. I mean, you're talking about when they're picking up Davis. Now you're like, okay, what, what outfielder are they going to send down? When uh, Avi comes back, and it will Avi be good if he plays like they wanted him to, right? Uh, that's an upgrade on its own around the deadline if he comes back. So that's that's great. Jazz coming back, that's great. It's just it's just a really deep team, and you're about to have a problem of having seven starting pitchers healthy, and that any other team in the league would love to have. With that being said, everybody listening. Right now, you have to go to Fish on First and super subscribe for $3. This team deserves it. Go out there and do that for them. Thank you guys for your time.
One hundred percent, man. That, that that was very nice. Yes, thank you, LMF. I I did want to touch on quickly the, the Payton Burdick idea. Kevin nailed it that he really did not get much of a chance this year. He struggled pretty badly those first few weeks. And then they made that surprising Jonathan Davis trade. And then that Jonathan Davis trade looked like a stroke of genius when he had that course field series. And since then he hasn't hit really at all since then, but he actually has done really small things that have helped them win games. You know, he's been perfectly fine defensive center fielder and he's been a slightly faster base runner than verdict. And like, so overall um, you can understand that move. They were willing to make that move um, when they did. I think that told me that they're pretty much out on Peyton Burdick. I mean, he could, it's hard to justify. I think he still is in that spot where he has some trade value, but there's reasons to be pessimistic. It was disappointing in that small sample that we saw. And since he's gone down, he's, he still has a 40% strikeout rate in AAA through 40 games. That's, that is highly, highly troubling for a guy that's repeating AAA. That Ray played it last year. And this year, even though he's hitting more home runs and the overall production is good, um, like there's just way too much swing and miss that I was wrong about. I thought he was going to correct that, and he has not done whatsoever. So for a guy that is now in his age 26 season, um, like he, he has a little bit of value left, but he's pretty far down now on this outfield depth chart. They're not clamoring to bring him back. Once Jazz is back, and I think I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really totally fault them for giving Avi one more test drive rather than Burdick. I, I don't know if you can justify having Burdick playing regularly over Avi in a small sample because uh, they kind of the same similar deficiencies. Um, so with him, I think this would be an interesting opportunity to deal him and get something. He's just not going to be the centerpiece of any sort of impact move. Okay, I agree. Yeah, Avi right. Garcia was playing pretty well until right before he got uh, injured. And I'm going to go back and just look at this from Cleveland until Chicago. He was doing all right. I mean, it was better than nothing. So uh, I think he would be a shell of himself. That would be such a victory for the Marlins. We all talk about him as a negative asset. If he doesn't if he becomes not even a negative asset, you know how much that helps the Marlins. They have so many options in the outfield. You have a two week stretch where Jesus Sanchez isn't hitting. Okay, you start De La Cruz, Jazz and Abby. Or if the vice versa. Taylor Cruz in one of his cold streaks. You just put Sanchez in there. You have that Sanchez Dale Cruz playing a platoon with uh, with Avi and Jazz, and that's as good as it gets. But it's it's more of an if there than a when. But um, then again, we'll have to see. I brought Sharif in here. He's been requested for a minute, and uh, we'll we'll get the to, to his question. So Sharif, how are you doing tonight? And what's your question? Good evening, gentlemen. Um, yeah, a, a lot of great things have uh, been brought up tonight. Once again, I appreciate you you guys for the coverage on YouTube and here on the Twitter space. Um, a couple of things, uh, and then I want to hear you guys take on it. I think the loud touched on kind of stole some of my thunder. I think I started to think, um, well, why don't we think in the aspect of we're loaded? And Kim Ang has actually done a wonderful job. I, I don't know the fallout between um, Jeter and the front office, but we can see now Kim Ang wanted to bring hitting in. We're seventh in hitting, right? Scoring runs, we're way above average. Um, clutch hitting, they're saying it's aloof that we're, what, 15 and 2, 15 and 4, or something that, like that in one-run games. 
I think it'll be an awesome thing to have Jazz, Avi, Asus, and De La Cruz platoon. And think of it this way. It's a great problem to have when Jazz comes back. You can send out either Soriano, pitcher, Hampson, or outfielder, or on Davis. You can send him down. And Avi can actually believe the platoon that Hampson is now. So I think this team has a wonderful problem of too much talent. And think of it, I think of it this way, if even if uh, Sandy was average, we're 10 plus games above 500 right now. So um, we may be, you know, some of us would be looking for an opportunistic catcher or another bat coming in. But I just think that even with Avi batting his 260, 270, if he can come around and be the platoon that Hampson is now, and Jazz comes back healthy. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, we don't have any more pitchers who's, who's going to come back healthy to us. But um, if Cabrera and Braxton keeps it up, um, I mean, I can only see wonderful things uh, coming up to the deadline. Now, I think, it, what about selling for the future? Because I think you're not going to keep around you know, Hampson or Davis or even Avi if he continues to struggle. So I can see us move, making a move for the playoffs and actually keeping, retaining what we have and, and selling off talent to help some other team and gaining future prospects. What's your thoughts on that? They won't sell. It's not going to happen. This is such a big year for Kim Ang, and you touched on it. Kim Ang's done a very good job. But this is still a prove-it year for her. This is the last year of her deal. She has to make a splash at the deadline. Because if, if the Marlins need to go under another rebuild, uh, they're not going to let her lead it. I don't think that's what I've been led to believe. I doubt she would lead a rebuild. This is a big prove-it year. They're going to go sell or they're going to go buy at this deadline. They're eight games over 500 for the first time since 2016. That was seven years ago. None of these players are on the roster now. We're there for it. This is a new era in Marlins baseball. Not not really a new era, but this this is just different. This is a year where it feels like the Marlins can really go do something. And no, you, you don't really sell off any pieces. Maybe the guys who only have a few months left on their contract, yeah. Maybe you right. go trade Garrett Cooper. Maybe you go trade Joey Wendell. It depends on what they can get for them and how they can fill their spots in the lineup. But absolutely not. No, they, they won't sell unless they really implode big time if they end up right. maybe like a couple games under 500 towards the deadline then they will but that would take a massive massive collapse and i don't foresee that happening and another thing with jazz i wonder if he's watching what brett brown is doing with the other hitters because i can see the jesus balance is changing the box which is making him hit the ball opposite field and why i say that is they're they're watch obviously they're watching <clears throat> arias and his hitting, and some of that is, is, you know, moving on into our hit, the rest of the hitters. But if Jazz doesn't make the adjustment with Brad Brown, like for me, even I'm a Bahamian, I'm from the Bahamas. If Jazz doesn't learn from Brad Brown, the hitting coach for the Marlins, look, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be done because the sacrifice made is. is Okay, you have a Ken Griffey swing. Everything is an uppercut. That means you want to put everything into the seats. But at some point, Jazz is going to have to learn how to spray the ball around. And I don't want to see the same Jazz who we saw earlier in the season. That's my only worry. I think we'll be fine otherwise. 
Yeah, no, I mean, Jazz got off to a slow start. He was starting to heat up a little bit right before that injury. Um, he was doing really well in that Red Series, and uh, and it was starting to turn around a little bit in that road trip before. The, the injury was really unfortunate timing, but we know what he's capable of. And, yeah, I mean, if Jazz can't get it together, I don't think they – I mean, maybe they go see what they can get for him on the open market down the line, but no. they won't uh, – they won't – Extend them? No, the extension's definitely out of the question because again, the Marlins have a very limited amount of money. They're only going to give money to guys they really feel like can hang around long term, and they definitely have to think about an Arise extension. They definitely have to think about a Lazardo extension. And you'd think Jazz would be a no-brainer, but like you said, if he keeps hitting the way he's been hitting this season, number-wise, no, they don't extend them. But uh, we know what Jazz is capable of. I'm confident that he can turn it around. His defense has been fine in center field. Everyone worried about that at the beginning of the season, but I don't think that's too much of a problem anymore. Maybe it is right away if he's come back from an injury and he's not quite as agile, but he's taking his time coming back. I mean, he hasn't even started his rehab assignment yet, so uh, they're being careful with him. You, you have to be careful with a guy that's that important to this team. But, uh, yeah, uh, th- th- that's my thoughts. Yeah, and um, finally, uh, I think uh, with Sandy, uh, I, I mentioned this in the last space. I I just think that you know Pablo would you know pull him by his collar and and he would listen to Pablo, and I, I just think that you know Mel Stoudemire can do what he you know can do what he can, but it would be Pablo, and I think that. Um, going into the dugout after each inning, I mean, you're not going to look up to Yuri. You're not going to look up to, to Garrett. You're not going to look up to anyone. And, and Melanie isn't going to, you know, be around you 24-7. I just think that Pablo has a, a, had a great effect on Sandy in terms of inning to inning. And um, it, it's catching up with Sandy. I think he'll be fine. But um, he has to now carry this entire team, which it was Pablo's duty to do that. And that's just my opinion on that. And thank you for allowing me to share. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Sharif. Um, I, I, I've been wrong about this before, I suppose, but I feel like Sandy has finally turned that corner to being himself again. The last two starts, 14 innings and 13 Terrific innings. There's that one bad inning against the Oakland A's. The other 13 out of his last 14, he just looks great. Uh, the velo as the fastball velo has been as high as at any point this season. And the biggest indicator is he's getting as many ground balls as he's had at any other point um, this year. So he just needs his defense to make more plays behind him. It would help if Sandy himself fielded his position a little better. Um, even without that, I would expect him to be very good the rest of the season health permitting i got sean in here good friend of the site um host of marlins after dark love sean so sean how are we doing and uh what's your question for us tonight you utilize the chat feature better than anyone else here i feel like you, you you ask good questions in there make good comments i feel like i can never get to them though so whatever you got we will answer buddy hey thanks for that and yeah, doing doing great. Big series win. Um, just for some fun trade hypotheticals, just wanted to throw that out there. We get a if the Cardinals become a surprise seller, which after I'm still skeptical that'll happen, but if they do, I keep kind of hearing buzz that it's a possibility. Um, who would your preferred Cardinals be 
I know we kind of talked about this in the spring, but after a couple of months of data now, just wondering where you're at on that if the Cardinals decide to actually move some pieces and they can't turn their season around. Well, we've talked about Ivan Herrera. As a, who's not triple at all. I think I think he's level. talking major league, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bigger bigger swing. The Marlins are ten, fifteen games over in July and they're just they're going. Dylan Carlson just came back from injury, but I don't know how much people are looking Carlson, at. Carlson, you could do Tyler Neal, but I don't know if any of you guys will actually do it and again, it's still so far out. The Cardinals are twelve games under five hundred. They just look discombobulated. They just lost a series to the Reds. But Cardinals are one of the teams that just have the ability to just rock it up out of nowhere and just go on a win streak. They, they're known for those signature win streaks at some point throughout the year. But I do want to put this out there, and I don't think many people are thinking it, but anyone who is, I'm just going to – I have to crush in your hopes and dreams right now. Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt will not be traded, at least to Miami. They will not be traded. So they will not be traded we'll, we'll in Yeah, they, they, will they will not, not be traded. Be traded. Please I, don't. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, highly doubt that. Highly doubt that. But – um. Yeah, the the Cardinals starting to get limited, really, at, at options. They put a lot of money into different guys, and there was a lot of guys in their system that they were uh, really committed to. And just like Jordan Walker, who's starting to heat up finally after having to go back down to AAA at one point. But uh, they're in a really weird spot. You would think the way they've been playing so far this year, they would be textbook sellers. But uh, they're in such a weird spot. We'll have a clearer answer on them in like a few weeks, I feel like. But what wish list lies from their roster? Let me look at their roster first off. There's not like much. I'm forgetting a name. Well, who would you say, Sean? Well, I wanted to throw one out there pretty quickly. That would be a substantial deal. Tommy Edmond, who is You're right. who's he's a couple, no, just one year removed from thing. He was a like sabermetric darling last year, they his defense rated super highly. And even though he only OPS like 725, it was his base running. It was his high rate of doubles. Like last year uh, under the hood, he was like immensely valuable to them. And he has that rare versatility to play both the middle infield positions and center field. It's like if Garrett Hampson was any good, but also he does things. He, I, I don't, I feel like we've lost over John birdie, like being, he's a, perfectly adequate utility guy. I don't feel like he's an essential part of this team for the rest of this year or moving forward, despite being the reigning major league stolen base champion. Like Tommy Edmond is such a better version of him. And yet he's somebody that because of the Cardinals riches on the position player side, like I think he would be available if the team is doubtful to make the playoffs. If they're doing like a, a soft sell at the deadline, with Edmund, he has two years of control beyond this year. He's making a decent amount of money, but not like a prohibitive amount for the Marlins. It's $4 million this year, and it'll probably be like $7 million next year, and then he has one more year of arbitration after that. It would take a lot to get him, considering how good he was last year. But the reason why I think he'd be available is because he's down a little bit this year. But yet, like the ability to play center field, and right now the Marlins just haven't really had a backup center fielder on the roster at any point. Um, when Jazz has been that you really like, it's been just this rotating cast of Hampson and Jonathan Davis, and they faked it with Jesus Sanchez there for a game in this past series. Um, that would be a pretty big splash. I have a player that also I just think would fit well at Lone Depot, being such a contact-oriented guy who has a little bit of power, but he's still immensely valuable even when he's not hitting home runs. 
So Edmund would be one. I, I don't know how they make that work without giving up a major league starter. And I said earlier in the show that I'm pretty firmly against them giving up anybody that they need to make major league starts for them the rest of the season. So I don't know what the fit would be. I don't know how they would give up sufficient value without like compromising their pitching staff. And that's kind of what the Cardinals are in it for the first place. The Cardinals need long-term moving forward. They need to figure out their starting rotation. So I, I, I don't know if the, it's going to align during the middle of the season yet. He's still a guy that I have my eye on. I, I think that's some, I, I'd like to see them try to find a fit there between the two teams around Tommy Edmund. You know how cool Brendan Gorman would be? I know it's not going to happen, but you know how cool he would be on the Marlins? Nolan, Nolan Gorman. Gorman. Nolan, Nolan Gorman. I, I, mixed up Brendan, I mixed up Brendan Donovan and Nolan yeah. Gorman. They're, they were right next to each other on the roster. So, no. Yeah. Gorman would be would be nice, but that's not going to happen. That's part of their future. I like Brendan Donovan. Yeah, he's good, too. They got a lot of those, like, lefty backfield guys. They, they can, they can play though. anywhere. Yeah, they need, they need Miami needs lefties. Brendan Donovan, a little down here, but he's fine. You could that could be a buy low guy, but then again, they just have some. They have too many guys in the infield that I, are worthy of a roster spot, and then the ones who might know, be treading that aren't, they just won't get rid of. Aka Sean, Segura. Who, who's the name you're looking at though, Sean? Since you're asking us this question, Eli said it. It was Edmund. That was oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That worked out. Pray for, for a much more eloquently than I was going to do while walking the dog. Thanks. Cheers, Eli. Hey, yeah, you, 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 you need Eli to walk in the dog, probably. Oh, that's later. If we go on any longer, we'll we'll get Eli a cameo from, from walking the dog. What what other names are you thinking of that we haven't thought of? Because we haven't even like really looked at the Cardinals yet. I feel like we just keep staring at the same teams or are thinking. Who do they go get? Uh, one thing I'm wondering, this is outside the box, is we probably hit on if they do do something a little different to upgrade since there aren't a lot of stars out there to grab. Do you think this is a team that would consider like adding to the bullpen? Like, the bullpens you know, have been great, but do you think they would go outside to add some one of the flashier relievers of the deadline? Like, they always say teams can never have enough relievers. You think they would go outside or bring yeah, I think they, they'd maybe inquire, but they'd probably get out mid. Not even that. I just think they're like, I like what they have at AAA. And not to be Carver, but I think I think they're pretty set at their bullpen right now and the depth that they have going down to AAA. And maybe, uh, I don't think their AA pen is that good this year like it was last year, but AAA, I do like some of the guys they have, not only experience, but just quality of player, but I mean, if you go out there and get, I don't know, and I know Eli said no to this because I asked this in the group chat, but if you get a Chapman or a Barlow, I mean, your bullpen is probably one of the better ones in the National League East. Although it is That's, right now, and I think, I mean, I'll, yeah. go by it. I'll stick by it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I, so. I agree. Uh, you know how we, we mentioned this earlier this week, too. You know how funny it would be if they got Chapman after all the stuff that happened? It, it, it would be kind of funny, I, I would admit. But I think they're good right now. I'm like, well, with Chapman, I, I think Chapman, threw it out. Frank, I just asked if you guys heard anything in the offseason. Off was at the end of the day, with not getting Chapman, was it more about 
money and being happy of what they already had, or was it more of a because it was, one, of those I, things, one of those things isn't going away, and one of them maybe the opinion changes if you're. I know why, but we don't have to dive too deep into it. No, well, I, I was told the reason was that Miami only offered one million dollars. That's all they wanted to offer him, one million. Kansas City came in with three, and that was it. And I was confused because it was clear that Chapman would have preferred to come here. He would have much rather preferred to come here. But for some reason, these players, like, he's already made all the money in the world. He's already, he had an $80 million contract. So uh, to still choose Kansas City solely based because it's $2 million more million really confused me. But I was told that was the exact reason was that. And obviously, obviously the only one in one role in it, guys. I'm joking. Yeah, no, I, I refrain from commenting on that. I do love Chapman. He's one of my favorite players ever. But no, what Isaac threw out is a really interesting play. But $2 million is $2 million. I can't blame someone for taking the money and, and, and I mean, I get he's already made his money, but in an industry where you can really have anything taken from you at any second, like you, you gotta go secure your money. So I, I don't want to, well, I mean, he's, he's going to take his money away. No matter what happens, he's made it. <laughs> he's made all the money in the world. Yeah. I, I at this stage in his career, wouldn't you prioritize one, not only being with a better team, but two being where you live and a much better city in Miami. Than yeah. Uh, but apparently to him, that wasn't worth $2 million. Yeah. Everyone's different. I would do nope. a million dollars to live in Miami over 3 million in Kansas city. Me personally. Yeah. Just knowing the type of human that he is, ego, I'm sure is part of it. It's like, Hey, my name is Roldis Chapman. It's not going to be on a $1 million contract. You know, it's probably a lot of ego too. Well, he probably will be on Kansas City Pass. He, he's going to be on a contending team very soon, so yeah, he'll, he'll have he a chance be, to win. He might be living down in Texas or Arizona very soon. So, um, yeah, but I, I don't think Miami goes for him or Barlow. Um, the name that might get thrown around in the deadline is Class A. I think Arizona gets him, actually. they Eli and I talked about it earlier. They need a shutdown closer. That's, like, one of the few things they need. <laughs> I mean, that's their guy. Manuel Classe is almost as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be a fun deadline. Why would they trade Classe? They're not totally. I mean, it is a weaker division. I guess it depends on what happens, but Cleveland's made some weird trades in recent years. Like, some really weird trades. I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. Yeah. They're, They're probably more likely to deal Beaver. Yeah. Just to underline where we are with this Marlins bullpen, um, it's it's a really deep bullpen, and the upside is is pretty good. We, we need to mention how good Tanner Scott has been lately, yes. and it's not even lately. It's a pretty big sample now. For the majority of this season so far, Tanner Scott's been amazing, and Andrew Nardi is like right there with him, where it's a little bit less swing and miss, a little bit more soft contact, and both. Um, I mean, the way that those guys have really surpassed expectations, the way that Puck has completely lived up to expectations. Um, there's been a lot going better than wrong for this bullpen to this point. I, I feel like they could be in the market for one. I, I think basically every team could use one new shutdown reliever. There, are, There's guys out there that would obviously improve the weakest man in their pen. And um, it, you can never have too many of those arms. And there are interesting guys at AAA. There's Archie Bradley trying to resuscitate his career and performing pretty well, but with less like high octane stuff than you used to have. And then there's just how much you trust these prospects that are really exciting, but haven't proven themselves. The two that stick out being Anthony Maldonado and my boy, Sean Reynolds, Sean Reynolds is one level away. 
Um, but you just don't know oh, how, yeah. how they're going to translate. Uh, even though I like both of those players, um, yeah, to think that they would be improvements over guys that are currently in the pen, I, that seems like a stretch. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they go out and get one reliever as things go on. It depends on the health of their current guys. Um, if they get Matt Barnes back and everybody is healthy, um, yeah, there's just not that that group has been so good, especially in terms of the high leverage situations today being an obvious exception. So we'll get a little closer. Um, the, the question is how, how well do those like middle relievers hold up or is, is Brazoban going to break out of his slump and is, is Matt Barnes going to show that like his last appearance was injury related yeah, we'll see. If things go really badly for the guys that are kind of in the soft middle of the pen, then they look to make a move. But that's they're, they don't necessarily have to do that the way that a lot of these other contending teams feel the pressure to do that. It's also pretty balanced in terms of lefties and righties. So, I mean, you really can't be – there's no no complaints about the bullpen now that I'm looking at it through the, the roster resources. So, yeah, and, and I think Eli said it. I mean, I, I think if Miami does get a reliever – it should be a shutdown guy. Like that would have to be your best reliever if you acquire one. But I like that they have a triple A. I completely forgot Sean Reynolds got promoted. Shout out to him. Very much deserved. So yeah. And then with Bradley, I he's just happy to be on a major league team or on a team in general, is how he sees it. I know I asked him, you know, we like to be in the bigs. He said, you know, yeah, it would be nice, but you know, I think right now I'm just happy to be on the team. He's topped out at ninety six, he's hitting nineties consistently, so it's nice to see that on the fastball. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah, you got anything else, Sean? No, that's all I got. Thanks. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, man. Um, the goat. Yes, sir. If you don't watch this podcast, Marlins After Dark, if you're looking for something to do at like 10 o'clock at night, it's a fun one. I got to get back on soon. I'll bring Romeo back in here. That's super subscriber priority. Trying to get to everyone here. But, um, Ro- Romeo, what else you got? Somebody, I don't know. I know they're trying to win, but you can never not bolster up your farm, right? Um, can can you restate that one more time? Yeah, you can never not want to bolster up your farm and all bolster. I mean, like, I thought you said blow it up. I was like, well, they do have the drafts coming up right now, so they're they're going to improve their farm somehow. In the draft, Kevin, yeah. Kevin, they, Kevin, they Kevin. Really every team, every team has the draft coming up. Every team. I know, but I'm just saying. I'm saying they're going to improve it either way. <sighs> so a name that I was looking at, right? So Gary Miller, Panamanian. I feel like I feel like that. Um, that's something. Got a triple. He's in triple A's in two sixty one this year. Jose Ramos from the, on the Dodgers. He's hitting, uh, yeah, he's in two sixty one. He plays center. He's like the number twelve prospect. They need him. I know you said not trading starting pitching, but you got Eater. I don't. I know he's not. He's not probably not gonna be MLB ready. You can have Cueto. Eater's not getting dealt. I, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying Cueto's getting dealt. I'm just, I put my. I put it in quotations that you have Cueto because no, he, he's saying Eater's not. Getting I said dealt. Eater. I said Eater. Oh. Cueto, if someone wants Cueto, they will deal him. And someone might because he's only on a one-year deal and they wouldn't have to really commit to that much money. And, Kevin, you don't know that Eater won't get dealt. I, I'm pretty sure he won't get dealt. I, you're, you're likely going to lose Dax Fulton for, for a very long time. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. But you have Meyer, 
who's hurt. You have Dax, who's hurt. You, he's the only one of value that you could trade. Yeah, it's Grant. not impossible they don't trade anyone. I don't think. It's, I, yeah, obviously, I, I just don't think I, he will. I, I, I really don't see it happening. I was just saying, in general, if you were to trade for someone like that has clearly has MLB, like not MLB, like he got up, I believe, to to the Dodgers. Didn't play. He got sent back down. He was just like a filler. Like J- Jeter Downs did with um with Washington, that they called him up and he was just sitting on the bench for like I think I believe it was like thirty days. He, I don't he even think was on Washington. Yeah, I forgot that. Um, yeah, he um he's a name that you can look at. Ad that he can he has a little bit of power. He, he can hit. Yeah, I've seen him hit tool. Well, I've seen him hit or try to. He didn't do that best in WBC, but that was against major league. Pitching on some sides, he had a couple hits, a couple singles. I followed the MLB, the Panamanian MLB site, so they, they put all his at bats most of the time. Um, but yeah, it's a name that you can look at and, and some as someone you can add to, to that farm, try and bolster up. I mean, AAA is literally just a farm, or just a spot for retired people and Anthony Maldonado, pretty much. <laughs> um, their double A is so much better than triple A. So if you want to add someone, you can add him and just see how he does against like near the MLB hitting. He's only like 21, 22, somewhere around there. I, I was wondering why you picked out this random guy and then you let it slip. He's another Panamanian guy. So all, all the Panamanian players, they are on your radar. Yeah, he's performing he's performing really well down there for the Dodgers double A team. That's I just yeah, I don't see he's probably not gonna fit on this current roster in any particular way. That'd be as you, yeah, you prefaced it the right way. It, it would be about building for 2024 and beyond. Cause he's getting close to being a potential major league contributor. Not right away, but soon. Yeah, that, that's bad. I knew we were, I wasn't really saying like buy him and start him right away, but I just had him like somewhere where you can like look at him, keep him, keep him on eye just, just in case you end up having to move jazz back to short. Like sure. I doubt it happens, but if you have to do it, someone you can look at out there but um yeah that, that's what I had to say that was the name that I was looking at there are some right. here that was that all you had I was gonna I was just gonna say like I feel like I have, like I feel like it repeats with the Panamanians I feel like because you guys are all like always on other players that that I shout can, out to you I appreciate you yeah I got spam my that. that I got a chance to add them out here shout out the country the money, yeah, bro. Yeah, hell yeah, I like it. I mean, Kevin loves his Cubans. I, mean, I love my Cubans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have our subliminal biases, and you need people who have other biases to, to straighten you out. Sometimes. Speaking of biases, I requested Alex Carver come and speak. What's What's your bias, Eli? I don't think you have one. I, well, I yeah, I try to be as well rounded with my valuations as possible. But I have to admit, I, I had not paid much attention to Jose Ramos until Romeo brought him up. Eli's bias are former hitters that are now pitchers and Colombian corner outfielders. Yes. Ramirez or Sean Reynolds. Otherwise, Eli just doesn't care enough about him. I still understand why we got rid of Harold Ramirez. I was so mad when I found that out. Like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, he, uh, he ran like bad. Starling Marte. Oh, something that we never really discussed. I was especially going to this out is how poorly Starling Marte has been. And, you know, a couple of years ago, it was so unpopular that they didn't, you know, match the Mets offer. And that would have been a disaster. It, it, right now, it looks like I'm sure he's going to be a little bit better. But 
he has been god awful for the New York Mets, and I did not expect that. Yeah, I like that you brought that up because I feel like that's kind of gone unnoticed. I follow a lot of Mets fans for whatever reason that they complain about him every single game, and yeah, it looks like age is catching up to him. There's just a lot of guys on the Mets with that problem right now. I mean, money can only get you so much, but uh, I'm just glad that Miami did find a deal for him that worked out. I mean, that that was a plus plus trade. Yeah, yeah. You, there, that was a guy that I was so surprised that Lizardo was able to be acquired for Marte. Well done on Kimming's part. But she's really Carver. good at that too, and uh, with the Arise trade as well. Like I. I looked back randomly at the Fish Stripes archives the other day, and I saw one of the official news updates back from, like, January, and one of the bullet points was, seems the Marlins are out on Louisa Rise. Damn. I'm sorry if I cut out there. My AirPods just died. I did not realize it. Was <laughs> oh, maybe you got your hand up. What, what do you got? I just brought up a name and I it just it wasn't a name it was a question and it just literally blanked on me right as you called my name. All right, hold that thought. This is my guy Specs here has been requested for a minute. I want to get him in. I have a promise to get to as many people as possible. So uh, we'll, we'll get this, this gentleman's question here. He's loading in. All right, how are we doing? Hey, how are you doing, guys? Uh, first off, um, you guys are really helping me out with my road trip right now. So I uh, thank you guys for being on. Well, of course. Um, one thing, uh, what do you guys think about? Um, Going back to the whole Burdick thing, what if we trade Burdick for um, Estuary Ruiz? You know, he's, uh, what is it? he's a, you know, he takes advantage anytime he gets on base. Familiar with the name for sure. He's been good for DA so far, but I don't think it's, it's a deal they would be interested in. Yeah, those, those are not equivalent players at this stage. Yeah. I, I do like Estuary Ruiz. He's gone off to, I think he's proven he has kind of over exceeded expectations so far as a rookie. He is leading the majors in steals. He is, um, yeah, he gets on base. He does things on base. He's a legitimate defensive center fielder. He is many multitudes more valuable than Burdick is. So, and uh, the A's just made it obviously a big deal to get him in the first place. And that's Sean Murphy three team deal. So I cannot imagine him being available. I can imagine almost everybody else on Oakland's major league roster being available, but not him. And if he is, it would, uh, it would take a lot more than Burdick to get him. You know who I do like on the Oakland A's? Let me see. I'm gonna be speaking correctly here. Ryan Noda. Ryan Noda is pretty good. First baseman out. First baseman for the A's. Gets on base at 401 OBP, 148 WRC plus. This is already in 61 games played. He's pretty good. Walks at a 19% rate, but you know, strikeout rates at 32. So take that with a grain of salt. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a fun name. If you're looking to replace first base easily, Rhinota, who is only 27. I think you'd be more likely to see that in the offseason, though. But, you know, he could play a game in a Marlins uniform down the road. I, I, I have seen his name for a while now, and I just wanted to throw it out. Not as, a, you know, nothing significant, but just for, for fun. I've been keeping tabs on him for fantasy reasons, not for Marlins reasons, but I wouldn't be surprised. Thanks for telling me. Yeah, you, you should go take a look at that. Uh, we lost specs, but that, I mean, it was a good question. Uh, that, again, it's Troy Ruiz. He, he's been a nice. I like Ruiz. Yeah, he's cool. He's a cool guy. Yeah, I'm sure you guys all noticed, you know, this White Sox series, what a fun series it was, obviously. But if push came to shove with the White Sox and things go really poorly, holy crap, they have some serious heat coming out of their bullpen. Every freaking guy 
that came out of that pen this weekend was just throwing darts, whether it's Kelly, even though Kelly looked, you know, really bad. Everyone that came out of the bullpen seemed to throw 100. They had a couple lefties in Bummer and Crochet. From the left side, they throw gas, too. Like, and I would really hope Miami would call, give them a call for about, about a couple of those guys because you got to assume some of them would be available if things continue to go poorly for them. Right. Yeah, somebody yeah. to shout out that finally had a bad outing today, Kenyon Middleton. I remember when he came up originally with the Angels, um, and there was hope that he would be like a – uh, like a late inning high leverage reliever, and he closed some games with them back then. But then lost his way due to injury and inconsistency, and now he's like prior to today when the I think he had two home runs today. Prior to that, he had been amazing for them. He's a pending free agent, so he's somebody that would be available and just wouldn't cost a whole lot to acquire in the first place. That's the kind of reliever that maybe they, even though I don't think it's a big need at the moment, it might not even be a need at the deadline. That's the kind of guy where you from the right side to get some more velo in this pen from the right side. That's like the very particular lane where maybe they could look to improve, especially if somebody like Brazabon doesn't get his stuff together. Um, yeah. Kenyon Milton is the one in particular for the White Sox pen that I like. All right. Uh, Marlins fans got his hand up, brought him back in. We'll get him and then we'll get Romeo. I guess Romeo remembered his question, but uh, LMF, what, what we got? Thanks for bringing me back in. I was messaging this to you guys. Um, any word on Rich Rodriguez? Is he still with the organization after that minor league deal? He's in Jacksonville. He's there. Is he doing all right? Uh, I don't know about that, but I saw him <laughs> pitch when I went to Jacksonville once. And and how did he look, Kev? He was all right. And Nothing crazy. Nothing like telling uh, one of them in the big leagues. And the other question I had, what about Bart, who was just sent down in uh, San Francisco, catcher. Oh, Joey Bart? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Five years ago, that would have been such an attractive option. I remember that was a name for a big deal. Yeah. That was Gretchen. He was supposed to be the heir to Buster Posey's throne. Yeah, but not five years ago. Less than two years ago, when Starling Marte was on the market, people were yeah. dreaming. They're like, oh, no, they, there's no way they would get Joey Bart for That's they, they, you could dream. It was like way out of anybody's imagination uh, there was still was like all this hope Ramos. that that bart was going to be that successor with the giants and now he's um yeah he's just been a disappointment kind of on both sides of the ball too like he hits better than a decent amount of catchers but a lot of it is just home runner bust and defensively he has um kind of fallen short of what everybody thought for him so i like him more than stallings so the question is whether they actually think they'd be willing to put him if you're going to acquire him, I think you he's somebody that you'd want to put in that backup spot right away. There's just nothing more for him to learn at AAA. He's he's had his opportunities. He's now played in parts of four big league seasons. So he's at a stage where it's getting pretty close to um sink or swim time for him. I, I think he's a better fit for like a, a team that has lower expectations just because yeah, there's um there's pretty high bust rate at this point. That he's really, really good at um, is it blocking or what is he? He's like number one at something defensively, right? Art. Oh, four times. He's number one. No, I know he's number one at blocking. I think his form bar was like good at something. I guess not. Okay, carry on. And my last uh, point before I sign off for the night. Uh, Everybody, go super subscribe right now to Fish on First. These guys deserve your three dollars a month. Take care. Good night. Yeah. Thank you once again. By the way, Isaac was right. He is a hundredth percentile in framing this past uh. season.
it is a pretty small sample just because he's been hurt and he just got demoted. So it's a small sample, but in a small sample, he's getting a high percentage of those borderline pitches. All right, Romeo's got his hand up. Oh, Carver's here. No, all right. Well, let's get Romeo's question quickly. We'll do the little minor league thing with Mr. Alex Carver. I like Carver, but that question I was gonna. The DSO and the SDL started this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had what? It was eleven, <laughs> right? I, I don't remember if you guys talked about it, but how is that guy doing? Who? The dude that's six eleven. He's a hitter. Oh, I. Is he a hitter or a pitcher? I believe pitcher, 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 pitcher. This, uh, what? what? That, he's a pitcher right now. How's he doing? I, I haven't kept up too much with the league thus far, but well, we have someone here who has. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah we do. Alex Carver. Um, I don't know anybody who sticks a lot. So that's news for me. But there's a lot of tall guys in, in the in those lower levels. Um, so that's, that's how I can answer that question, I guess. Um, you guys were talking. The only thing I have, you guys were talking about guys who are forcing their way up and. Somehow Richard Rodriguez got mentioned, but I don't know how, but that's fine. Um, what about Xavier Edwards, who just hit his first home run for Jacksonville? Um, does this guy have a route to be with the Marlins again or no? Injuries, yeah. I mean, here's the thing with the Marlins. Eventually, guys who perform so well, they just knock on the door the, the Recently, I feel like the Marlins have given him a chance. You saw that with LeBlanc, your boy, right, Alex? Yes. I do like Charles LeBlanc, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, the Marlins will reward good play in, in the minors to, the, to at least see what they have. I don't know. 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 I will say, we're, we're talking about Edwards. Um, they're in a fascinating spot with him where I think he's a better player than Garrett Hampson. And he does have, it's just, it's an inter, it's an awkward positional fit um, because he, the only, he just started learning the outfield and only in center field. And then defensively, they, they have, uh, they have plenty of time to go around on the left side of the infield. Um, but he's kind of, he plays the positional fit. Isn't really there at this moment when it's only second base and center. Um, and I feel he could have still have value off the bench and in certain like platooning situations, getting him a start at those positions and get value from it more so than they're getting from someone like Hampson. But anyway, you slice it, it's going to be really limited playing time. So if they keep him at AAA, then he could get everyday playing time. It's just realistically, is his ceiling going to be an everyday player? I, I don't know if he's going to be an everyday player. In fact, I'd be, I'd say it's more likely than not that he's going to be something less than that. They're in that situation where there's you get more playing time down there, but what is like the realistic end goal for him? Um, and if that realistic end goal isn't like much more than a part-time utility player, then maybe you'd rather have him being a utility player in the big leagues right now and be incrementally better than somebody they currently have on the roster in Hampson. I kind of lean towards the fact that I'd rather have him on the roster right now, even with, you know, even though it's unconventional, even though that's not usually how you want to handle a prospect, it's just that there are different tiers of prospects. And he's not a guy that I think necessarily, I don't think you need to bend over backwards to wait for an everyday playing time to come up in the big leagues because it might never come up for him. It might not even be worth the trouble. 
you know he does some things well at the moment. And um, yeah, so if you want my opinion, I think I'd rather have him on the big leagues right now than Hampson, but I honestly can't. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel too strongly either way because I understand for somebody that's still so young and still 23 years old, like holding on to the possibility that he turns into something bigger than a Hampson type. And um, if they feel that continuing to get reps in the minors, as you said, doing something today, he hadn't done all year hitting a home run. And it was a, it was a pretty no doubt home run to the pole side. Um, Yeah. I can understand both sides of it with him. So I I have a question, a follow-up question for, for Eli. Um, Eli, you, you wrote an article when this trade happened. It was with, uh, was Tampa, right? Uh, They got Shagwa and they got Edwards uh, in the trade. And at the time when you guys were somewhere else, I won't say the name, but when you guys were somewhere else, uh, you wrote an article that you thought his ceiling was that comparable to Jose Devers. Um, and Jose Devers has actually been, while he, when he's been healthy this year, has actually been okay um, with with Double A Pensacola. But would you retract that and say Edwards is probably better? <laughs> It, it, it's interesting. I really did sit out to go back and double check. I believe you though. That's an interesting comparison. I think if one, it's just the same limitations where uh, if he's not going to realistically play shortstop for you um, and he's kind of limited to second base and you still don't know what he's going to be in center field. And, um, and I, I still think despite the, I, I think there's still these pretty strict limits on his ceiling because of the lack of power and because of the lack of, um, you don't know exactly what you're getting from him defensively. That was a little harsh, though. I, I would have to say that overall, um, yeah, overall he has exceeded those expectations I've had. So, yeah, so so maybe I was a little harsh on that. Yeah, I, I don't think you directly compared him to Devers, but you mentioned him in the same sentence So in the article. So I was like, wait, I wanted to ask you that question. Not to drill you or anything, I just wanted to ask you that question. Um, anyways, uh, the other, the only other guy that I'll mention – um, from the minors that I think needs his chance um, in the major leagues is not Richard Rodriguez, but Archie Bradley. Um, I think Archie Bradley should should be on the Marlins, um, but there's just really no room right now in the bullpen. This bullpen's been really good. It's been one of the strengths of the Marlins team. Nardi's been really good. Um, Brazovan has been up and down, but overall, okay. Um, I mean, I, I would probably lean to the fact to give uh, Bradley the shot, who has major league experience. He's been part of some teams that have gone pretty far. Um, on a winning team, I, I would like to see Bradley over Brazoban, but that would be my only other opinion for tonight. But I, I want to see Bradley get up and, and contribute to this bullpen. That's it for me. On the prospect side, I want to always. On the prospect side, I want to shout out Dane Myers. That guy's been. Oh playing. yeah, I believe he had another. In, was it an inside the park homer today? Something like that. But I know he's been having success. It was a regular home run, not inside the park. But yeah, he's been. Very oh, impressive. I know he had one this year, so I got that's why I got confused. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he's been good. He's been really good. Another one of those Rule 5 guys that the Morals have hit on for now. So, shout out to him. He's, he's, he's having a good year. Hopefully, they give these guys chances. Um, I mean, we, we've seen what they've done with Rule 5 guys, LeBlanc, um, Enright, and hopefully Myers doesn't fall into that same category. But yeah, he's been good, man. It's been cool to follow him. And then Dalvi Rosario nice starts him in double A. Yeah. Uh, he had like two home runs and like f- over 50 single A advanced games and got yeah. out of the cold weather in Beloit and, and has already two home runs with, uh, with Pensacola. So he can play all over. He plays infield and outfield. So he's interesting. Um, it'll be fun to follow him at double A. And then the final pitcher I want to mention, Evan Fitter. 
I know Eli was high on him entering the season. I, I think he said minor league pitcher of the year. I mean, he's 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 pitching like that. He he got to a uh, double A, and he's just been really good. Uh, I know he's had some issues with the walks, but aside from that, Fitter is he's been good. So very happy about his progress. That's yeah, I love that guy too. Um, especially with like Dax out and stuff, he's kind of stepped up and been kind of a guy for for Pensacola on a, another winning team in this Marlins organization. So he's fun. Um, I talked to Eli not too long ago about him. I'm probably higher on him than a lot of people uh, in prospect rankings. I definitely have him well inside of the top 15 in my personal rankings. I think he's really good. He needs to work out the control a little bit, as you said, but um, great guy, great family, and um, I'm excited to continue to watch him this year. I think he's definitely going to make a name for himself, continue to make a name for himself. Yeah, we have him at 26 on our list, but... I'm way higher than that, but that's yeah. all day. Yeah. Last calls of speaking here as, as we round this out, but... Um, if not, yeah. Carver and I are going to amuse your ears with more minor league talk. I'm joking. Yes, <laughs> These guys will go on all night, so if someone has one final question, go ahead. But, uh, no, I mean, we, we can close out if, if that's what you guys want. Any final prospect points or anything Marlins in general? Did kind of forget to preview the week. I'm not going to go too far into it, but the Mariners are struggling, and the Marlins have historically owned the, the Nationals over the last season, season and a half here. So, um, Jake, uh, I have a question Jake. for Mr. Kevin. Uh, when is Victor Victor Mesa coming up? No, no, no comment. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pass that, but um, I'll go to uh, that Jake Eater looks healthy. I saw him last night. Looks good. Said he feels good. Um, this looks pretty good. I mean, his command and control was kind of in and out a little bit last night. Still went four innings in the second rehab start. He looks good. Um, and if this guy gets back to 100%, um, I, I wouldn't put out seeing him with, with the Marlins at, at some point, maybe this year, if not definitely next year. But this guy's good. That slider, man, I, I think it's even better than, than Myers. Um, and Meyer, of course, has already been in the big league. So this guy's good. Um, Looks good last night, looks healthy, says he feels good. So um, I'm looking forward to this guy continuing to feel good and feel healthy as he gets probably back up to double A. I have a I actually have a question. No, I, I have a question first. I have a question first. There, there's this guy who uh, pitched today in, in Pensacola, this Dominican guy the Marlins found out. How do you feel about um, Johnny Cueto? Oh, goodness. I hope that's not a question. Is that a question for me or anybody? Nobody else. <laughs> no, I don't want. I don't want. Just a mess with you. I don't. I'll. Um. I'll plead the fifth on that question, and that's all I'll say. Go ahead, Danny. I was just going to ask Carver. We're less than a month away from the draft. Uh, have there been any draft talk, or what, what do you guys think? And maybe Carver, who do you think the Marlins take in the tenth? And no, it's not Nolan Shannon. No, he's second round. Carver, are you, are you are you on the tree website? I think he's gone on record saying this. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but uh, I, I think Carver doesn't really follow the draft like as much as he does. Mm. Who's already in the system? Our draft guy is Hector. Hector's or Mel Kiper. I thought Carver would at least know any name. Give me, a, uh, give us a little taste, a nibble, a bite. It, it's it's definitely not a fair question for me um, because, like like Grant just said, I'm not yeah. too, too high up on covering uncovering college baseball anymore as much as I used to be. But um, for what Kevin just said, um, I personally watched Nolan Shanuel, and that guy's good. Um, I also personally watched Gabriel Cones, who got drafted by the Phillies. I was hoping the Marlins got him at it from FAU. That guy, I will tell you, watching him and 
at the time I was kind of reporting on him in a, in a, in a slight capacity, kind of part-time. That guy looks and models his game, told me personally, models his game after Juan Soto. So FAU's good, man. Like, I, I don't know. They, they've got a really good thing going with Coach Mack. Like, that, that team is, is, a, is definitely a program that's on the rise. It's not really a program that gets talked about too much, but I like my, my old alma mater at, at, at FAU, and um, I hope Shanuel goes somewhere that can make use of him um, and get the most out of him. Hopefully that's going to become the Marlins organization that starts to get the most out of these collegiate players. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, your question's probably best posed for either Hector or Eli. Um, I know a couple of directions that I would like to see them go. Where are they projected right now? I, I honestly, things change every day. So I, I really don't know, Daniel. Um, could go a couple of different ways. In the draft, you don't really draft for for need. You draft based off of best player available. That's what the Marlins continue to do, and that's what I think they will do. They'll get the best player available at, at number 10. And then that's exactly what DJ continues to do. I think that's what he will do this time as well. Continues to do. Yeah, well, has he ever done that besides 2021? He tries to do that. That's what he tries to do. I mean, it looks like he gets the best player available. Yeah, they're mocking right now Jacob Gonzalez from Ole Miss, which wouldn't be that bad. I would take a, a nice little shortstop with a, a low strikeout rate. Nolan Shanuel, 447, 615, 868, 1.483 with 19 homers, 64 RBIs. That guy only struck out 14 times against seven, and he walked 71 times this year. This guy needs to be the second round steal of the draft for the Marlins. I love, I love Nolan Shanuel. I, I got to watch him play in person, I think, a couple times. Are you going to be at his draft party, Kevin? Of course. I do like Yohani Morales, but I don't think Miami takes him at 10. I think he'll drop lower in the draft. He'll be in like the 20s, late teens. I do like Morales, though. I think he would be a nice pick. And that that would be very, that would be very underslot, I believe. Let's pick Ivan Melendez again. (laughs) Hector will have an article up in the morning on um, prep shortstop Arjun Namala, who's from Florida. He's committed to Florida State. So that'd be an option if they want to go underslot with their first pick. Um, yeah, a guy that has a good shot at sticking at shortstop, good contact hitter, uh, some swing. He's yeah, he's like an interesting project if they'd go that route. Um, so we'll see. That that's the next up in our draft profile series. He's already done one on Jacob Gonzalez. He's done one on Rhett Louder, the pitcher at uh, Wake Forest. Oh, um, he's nice. Yeah, among a, a couple others. So check that out on the site if you just go to fishonfirst.com/slash/prospects. You'll be able to find that. Shanuel's the number 29 prospect on podcast. Kevin, tell me how Jacob Berry's doing before we close it out. Go. Under a minute. Tell us. <laughs> Jacob Berry, he has not been very good. There's just another way to say it. He played a little bit of first base this week, but he's been playing third. He's hitting 174, 216, 287, 502 with a whopping WRC plus of 43. So <laughs> that was the 2022 first round pick. All right. I think it's a perfect way to end the grab. It looks like, I mean, I'm just looking at, at stuff and uh, things that I can look at. It looks like it's going to be like in this range of like, what, seven to 10. It's like all prep picks. <laughs> so it looks like it's probably going to be another another high school kid. It's what I would guess. Um, so, man, I just hope it's not another catcher. Uh, the Marlins have had their, their fair share of prep catchers who have not done too much, um, including Banfield Mack. And others, so um, I hope it's not another catcher because I'm kind of over prep catchers at this point. They have a lot of risk to them, but yeah, maybe an arm, maybe a shortstop, as Eli said. Um, I, I'd probably be okay with that, but we'll see what they do. 
I wouldn't be catcher though. It wouldn't shock me if they go catcher, especially since the highest rated one is exactly the number ten guy, Kyle Teal, college guy out of Virginia. It wouldn't shock me if they go catcher though, Carver. I mean, that system, the the current way, the current look of the system with catchers, it's it's not good, not good at all. No, you're right, but like I said, you don't really draft for positional need. Exactly, that's, that's I not really what you, you do. Go best so, yeah, 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 you, you go based on Paul Skeens, the best guy there. So Skeens, so. Skeens would be amazing, but that's now, not now, realistic. Now, but yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's a solid way to end it out. If you were here for the entire two hours and 15 minutes, we were live. Thank you. If you listen back to this when we put this out on all the podcast networks and listen to this, thank you very much. We've got so much content coming this week. It's a fun time to be a Marlins fan. We get to stream tomorrow. Uh, the boys are playing out in Seattle, D.C. this week. So uh, we'll see you this time next week to hopefully talk about a team that's even better than eight games over 500. Thank you all. Uh, Have a good night.